Hey, welcome to the 247th episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in a world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to David McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. We're current. Actually, we just got done looking at a bunch of Moon Knight, uh, Moon Knight origin times two is 1980 origin plus is 1975 origin. Big, huge, conflicting differences there, which were just resolved last week. This week, uh, we're going to do something a little different. Besides, by different, I mean, not Moon Knight for now. So maybe we'll come back to Moon Knight. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com. And you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. Okay, this this week, what is a movie feature? I just dropped my pen. The movie feature, one of the movie features was, I planned on it being Men from, from A24. What was the director? Alex, what's his name? Uh, he did Annihilation, did other stuff. I mean, I, I want to see, it's an A24 movie. They've been on par, they've been doing awesome lately. Like everything they've been putting out, been putting their stamp of approval on has been great. I guess I'll just say this right now. Um, it, it, yeah, so I had my, I bought my ticket. I actually, I was wondering, it's like, is my theater going to show it? Because with everything everywhere all at once, it didn't, they, it didn't play right away. It was like maybe a, a couple weeks after it was released. It was, I think it was released limitedly. Then it went wide. So I was kept checking my theater, their website. Are they going to get it? Are they going to get it? Are they going to get it? And then I think it was Tuesday, late Tuesday night. It's like Thursday night showing 730. Awesome. I'm there. Buy my ticket. 7.30, go to the theater, print out my ticket at the, the ticket kiosk, uh, go up to the ticket counter ripper. Oh, sorry, we didn't we didn't get the movie in time, so we can't play it. I'm not, not an expert. I've, I've talked to people. So I believe movies, since the way they work now, because it's digital, you I, you get it's something that you get a key to unlock it. Then I think then you have to ingest it onto your player. It's not like the old days, like when I worked at a theater, back in my day, when, when they had the reels of film that need to be spliced together and, and, and so forth. So now obviously it's all digital, but somehow I imagine you get a key and you have to download it onto your player. And that apparently takes some time. If you think about the quality of the movie, and I mean, I don't know how I, I, I guess I could ask someone like how, how long it takes, but it apparently takes some time because you have to take the movie and just obviously they're not going to be streaming it because that, that would that wouldn't be a good good move, you know, the way streaming goes and so forth. So anyways, they didn't have the movie in time. So I got a refund. I got a pass. And yeah, so and in luck, I guess luckily for me. Because I was like, uh, can I use this for Jurassic Park? Or Jurassic, I said Jurassic Park. It's not called Jurassic World. I don't even know what it's called. And uh, the manager happened to be there. They're like, yeah, because normally you, they don't accept passes. Maybe I shouldn't say this. Not that my, I'm even saying my theater. And not that, not that the studio is listening. But yeah, so I, I, I'm, yeah, so I was bummed. <laughs> so I, I, I drove there. And my theater is not that far from my home, thankfully. So I had to go back home. I was like, all ready to watch a movie. But I guess the good thing for me is I still had some comics to read. Uh, 
<sighs> so I I don't know when I'll see it. Maybe uh, maybe I'll go see it during the week. Maybe I'll talk about it next week. I don't, although next week there's going to be a lot to talk about. I feel like I'm going to have to figure out how I'm going to do that. Anyways, so that was like your what three minute um, discussion as to what is not the feature. I, I do really want to see the movie, even though I watched the trailer. I I don't even know what the movie is about, and I I'm kind of fine with that because as as I was gonna go see it, I was like, I really don't know what it's about, and uh, but I was like, I don't really want to know what it's about because you know seeing the trailer once, and I was like, okay, I, I want to see this, so we'll see. Uh, so the actual movie feature, Ch 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 Chippendale <laughs> Rescue Rangers, the Disney Plus original movie, it's really good, and I'll talk more about where I'm coming from. Like, what sort of fan of Chippendale's Rescue Ranger am I? And I'm, I may not be the typical fan. So more more on that later. And then, of, of course, there's uh, the regular shows. There's uh, The Flash. There's The Man Who Fell to Earth. I'm really digging that show. Uh, Made for Love, the final two episodes, which is kind of a bummer that because they're showing, and aside from my, my complaint about them showing two episodes every week and all, all that, the bummer is because now it's over. You know, we could have had eight weeks of discussion. Now we're only getting four weeks. I know some of you, if you're not watching the show, you might be like, thank you. Because, you know, maybe you're, you're skipping over. Or maybe you plan, supposedly plan on watching it later. And so you, maybe you're skipping over so you don't spoil it or whatever. So you can, um, I, I definitely have to, I, I need to figure out before, before I get to that segment, how exactly did I feel about that final episode? And what does that mean? And will there be more? So we have that. And there's a new show I'm really excited for. So um, we're going to be a week behind on this. The Time Traveler's Wife, HBO Max, six episode limited series. Amazing book. I love the book. And so, so original movie <laughs> that, that came out. I don't remember when that came out. The movie was just okay. I only watched it once, so I can't really speak to it. I don't really remember so much how compared to the book. But I don't think it did it justice, and that that's why I love that this is a six episode I, I, series. I feel like there's just so much that was probably cut out of the original movie because there's no way you could do it, even if it was two hours. I don't remember what the runtime was, and uh, that's yeah, that's so that's that's enough. I think I said everything. So let's just get to the news because there's actually a lot of news this week, and normally I'm like there's no news, and I just ramble on. So I'm already rambling on. Uh, supposedly. I don't want to say this is confirmed. Everyone's like, it's confirmed. It's official. Daredevil's coming to Disney Plus, according to Variety. Okay, obviously Variety has great sources. Variety is is a trusted outlet. So yes, this is probably true. But I I don't see how you can say it's official when like Disney and Marvel, like they, they refuse to comment, and the the, the writers. So supposedly it's going to be written uh, by Matt Corman and Chris Ord, and they, you know no one no one wants to comment on it because it's it's not official. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but it's weird because then I I'm seeing like other people commenting, like I, I follow a couple like sort of like whatever news things on on like even on Instagram, and some people are like oh, it's official according to Variety. So so yeah, I mean again, if variety if it if it happens official then then yeah uh, uh, you know a plot hats off I don't know I'm clapping my hands I'm going to say hats off you can't take your hat off if you're clapping but 
Yeah, it, good job, Variety, for getting the source. What kind of bothers me is if, like, Marvel or Disney, like, maybe they had, like, some plans to, like, really announce this, like, spectacularly, and then Variety ruins it because some random person decides they're going to spill the beans to a news outlet. And I don't get why people do that. I mean, I, I've mentioned this before. I've been told things in confidence before. I don't talk about them. And while that could have been big for me, for or for a comic vine or GameSpot, it also wouldn't have been so great for the relationship, the friendship, or whatever you want to call it. For you know whoever decided to tell me, and so it's like you don't break embargoes, but you know this obviously is like an unofficial thing. And I'm assuming whoever told them, they're probably like, hey, yeah, you can you can leak this if you want, or you can mention this. Just don't mention my name. So it's just a bummer because like what what if like at San Diego you know Marvel Studios is going to do a big panel and then they're like and we're going to have a show with this guy and then they bring out Charlie Cox and everyone would be like Aah! and now it's going to be like yeah we knew that so who who knows but then the 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 uh, I read I decided to read it somewhere else too just to see like what some someone else said and they're like you know we have no idea what's going to happen is it going to pick up from season what the cliffhanger with bullseye is it going to start over is it going to be a different universe is you know alternate multiverse who knows but then they're like well we can assume that deborah ann wall and eldon henson will be returning who else do you think why do you assume that they're automatically going to be back for all you know for all any of us know Maybe they're going to recast. Maybe Karen Page and Foggy Nelson aren't even going to be in it. Maybe Matt's in a place where he's just, you know, on his own. Maybe him and Foggy are on the outs. Who knows? It just seems so silly. Like, oh, yeah, they're definitely coming back. What if they're already committed to doing something else? You can't just assume. They might be like, yeah, I'd love to come back. I can't do it because I got to go to the dentist and get my teeth clean. You know, who knows what? So that's exciting. Um, well, the other thing I'm also excited for is She-Hulk. She-Hulk trailer came out, and um, eh, there's a couple parts of the trailer that are, are a little rough. But of course, that's what the haters want to want to you know glamp onto. Glamp on is is that a word? That's a, glom glamp. I don't know what I'm saying. That's what they want to grasp and just say, oh yeah, I saw like one when one of the hate headlines. Oh yeah, that CG wasn't so good. That's the headline. It's like, it's like, why are you so angry, man? Just let it go. Uh, if I, I just don't get it. If if I saw something that's like, oh, that looks like crap, I'm not gonna. Oh, this looks like crap. Oh, let's laugh at this. That just seems like just so crappy to to do. Where you know people put you know time and effort into it, and also you have to look at it. It's like, and I kind of joked, like the CG fight, like Flash versus Reverse Flash on the CW show. That being said, I mean, it has a totally different budget. And for like a weekly TV series, which whatever the budget is, you, you, you accept that. You know, there are some parts where I'm just like, okay, that's just how, I mean, at least we're getting the product. I mean, because years back, you know, we weren't getting all this stuff. We we weren't so lucky to get. And now maybe just people just take it for granted, you know. And it's one thing to expect perfection or whatever. You know, we really want this. But sometimes you just have to say, okay, you know, I'll overlook it. it it's not perfect. It's not on par with others. Because some people are like, oh, look at how they did Thanos. And then look at She-Hulk. Thanos was also a multi-million dollar production movie. This is a, a TV series. 
on a streaming network. I still don't know how Disney, you know, yeah, Disney Plus is making her money from subscribers, but it's not, I mean, and yeah, it'll probably be She-Hulk merchandise. Uh, I don't know. But I, I'm excited to see it. I, I like She-Hulk, and it's going to have that humor in there. And so maybe we'll see Daredevil in there. Who knows? So, I mean, that's what everyone assumes, but Watch is like, nope. So I'm, I'm ex- excited for that. But And just relax, man, if, if, if you're not happy about that. Star Wars. So there's a big article, um, Vanity Fair, Star Wars stuff. I didn't didn't read it. I might be tempted if I actually saw it a magazine in a store. I don't really go to like bookstores or magazine stores. Mo- the most I ever do is I go to the grocery store. I don't know if they would have it. Maybe I should, should check. But one of the things that has come out, and I haven't read like specific details about it because you know you can read snippets of the interview and stuff like that. But John Watts who is no longer doing, uh, what was he supposed to do? Oh, he was supposed to do Fantastic Four, right? He did Spider-Man, Spider-Man's, you know, he did a bunch of Spider-Man stuff, but he's just like, yeah, I, I kind of don't really want to do another superhero movie. I love him, but I, I kind of want to do something else. Totally understandable. He's going to do a Star Wars series. And um, I'm not really sure how I feel about it. I mean, we'll, we'll see. My, my um, I'm, I'm a little s- skeptical cautious i don't know about upcoming star wars stuff not all upcoming stuff so this series is supposed to be a coming of age story kind of like in the amblin uh like steven spielberg whatever it's coming of age star wars set after return of the jedi okay is are we gonna get young poe dameron probably not it's probably going to be just uh, it's random kids in the Star Wars universe. We're, they're probably not going to be any Jedi, so okay. I mean, there, there shouldn't be, but that's what I would, you know, I want to see Jedi Force stuff. You know, that's that's the cool, you know, coolness. Uh, but yeah, I, I saw somewhere where it's like now casting 11-year-old kids or something like that. So I don't know if that was accurate or not. I, I we'll see. I I really don't know what to expect. So my my trepidation or whatever is when we start getting new Star Wars stuff because you know I oh man who was it? Someone else is like moving away from the Skywalker saga. We're finally doing it. You know it's time to do that. Yeah, maybe I'm not super excited about that fact. I get it. You you have to do it eventually, but you, they didn't have to. They could have continued. We could have had luke's kid luke could have had a kid we could have had friggin mara jade there's a, a rumor i saw on reddit totally rumor i don't need there's no truth to back it up or whatever that star wars lucas is is a uh, kind of seeking or trying to woo scarlett johansson to do something star wars so it's like you know first thing because she was a redhead and is black widow she should be mara jade that would be amazing but nope, there's no Mara Jade. And even if they decide to bring in Mara Jade now, she's not going to be with Luke, according to the last you know three movies. Uh, I I just I love those books. They, they're so enjoyable, and they're gone. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, so if we start seeing Star Wars movies with other characters, you know, so my 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 caution is, am I going to care? And I look at it. I mean, you look at like Mandalorian. Mandalorian, totally new character. Nothing to do with Skywalk stuff. But, you know, when you first look at it, it's like, oh, it's like Boba Fett armor, right? You know, because for people who don't know Mandalorian or whatever. 
So they, they, but then it's like, okay, new character, not related to Boba Fett. I mean, Boba Fett's not even a Mandalorian. But then it's like, oh, wait, we got this other new character. He looks like Yoda, baby Yoda. It's not even his name. Maybe he's related to Yoda. I don't know. I still, I still want to say that he's, he's Yoda and, uh, Yara, why am I totally blinking? I say her name all the time whenever my students come up. Yara, Yara, no, see, and I'm thinking Wonder Girl, um, Raph, Yaddle, <laughs> total blank. Oh, I'm getting old, man. Uh, my birthday is this week. <laughs> I'm old. If you see that the, from Friends, Joey, that's how I feel now. I, not Joey was so much younger when he did that. I'm getting old. It's my memory, <laughs> and it's I'm recording late, and I got a cup of coffee, and it's it's going to take hours for the coffee to hit. So this is going to be your special happy birthday to me episode. I should have mentioned at the beginning, it's this episode might might be a little little normal, I guess, since I'm never on task. Sip of coffee there. So what what am I talking about? <laughs> so new Star Wars. <laughs> I should edit this right, and we'll see if I actually edit or not. So you're, if you're going to have like other, I mean, with Mandalorian, you know, there's still enough Star Wars connection. You know, you have Bo- Book of Boba Fett. Obviously, it's Boba Fett. Awesome. Ahsoka. It's it's Ahsoka. Awesome. And, you know, even if we get the Cassian Andor, but it, it's it's following the movie. So we know who Cassian Andor is. So we we can accept that. I want I want a friggin' solo show. And oh, it's, it's, I keep seeing all this stuff, and I'm totally forgetting. So sorry, I'm not giving anyone credit. But someone had said something. It's like maybe it was a uh, uh, what's her name, Kathleen. <laughs> I can't even think of anyone's name. But someone's like, yeah, maybe Solo should have been a series and not a movie. But they didn't really have the means to do a series, you know, back then. I, I want more Solo movie, or I, I would I would love for a Solo series. You know, give me like six episodes of Solo, even that. I would accept. I would accept four episodes of Solo to see more adventures. I mean, I would love to see young Han Solo adventures. I was not like gung ho for what's his name to be Solo. Once I saw him, I should watch that movie again. Anyways, um, what am I talking about? Let's let's uh, let's let's move on. Uh, Stan Lee, while I'm kind of talking Marvel, while I remember, there's been a new Stan Lee's coming back. He's going to be maybe in Marvel doing Marvel cameos again. Rest in peace, Dan. You're, you're still missed. But apparently a new licensing deal has been made for 20 years. Holy crap. Uh, and I, I think part of it is like using his image, you know, whatever, selling merchandise and possibly cameos using archival footage. And I don't know if they're going to do any like, uh, what's his name? Peter Cushing, Grandma Tarkin. You know, some people might be like, because, you know, there's all the things like, should you do that if someone's like no longer with us? But <laughs> I think I think it would be OK because, you know, it's approved by Stanley's estate. And some people might be like, oh, they're just out to make a buck. But it let you know, we we adore Stan. We we miss him. And, you know, it's great. It would be great to still see. I don't know how I'd feel you know, if we if we do get more cameos when we see that first one. Might it's gonna be weird, but it might be cool. I we'll see. So, yeah, more Stan Lee possibly coming. Samuel Jackson had some things to say about Nick Fury and Secret Invasion, and uh, you know, obviously he can't say much, but he's saying that 
there's stuff about Nick Fury that even he didn't know that, that he's like looking forward to kind of branching out, kind of being a little, doing a little, little differently. And uh, I don't really know what to expect about uh, uh, Secret Invasion. I'm, I'm really curious to see that. No date on that, possibly 2023, hopefully, if we're lucky. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what they're going to do there. There's also going to be a Baymax series on Disney+. Plus. I like Big Hero 6 when it came out. And, you know, I think part of it is seeing it with my daughter. And, you know, she really liked, you know, Baymax. Is, you know, who doesn't like Baymax? Um, I haven't watched the movie since. And I know, that I'm pretty sure there was a Big Hero 6 series, right? I never watched any of that. And part of it was, uh, it got to the point where my daughter had kind of moved on, you know, from watching it. And she, you know, there's like only so much time and so much to watch. So she never... I don't even, I'm pretty sure there was a show, right? So we never watched it. But now there's going to be a Baymax series. Yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, you know, Bay, Baymax was so adorable and everything like that. And I wasn't even going to watch a trailer. I was like, okay, there's a trailer. I'll just mention there's a trailer. But then I was like, oh, fine, I'll watch it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a, I liked it. Will I watch the show? We'll see. Uh, it's June 29th. Possibly. You know, if, if it's just, if they're just going to drop one a week, I, I could try to check it out. And also it's going to depend on what else there is. So I don't know if I'll report on it for the podcast. Uh, depend, it's going to depend on what other stuff. Because, you know, obviously like the Flash and, and Superman Lois will be like over, maybe, we'll see. Maybe if, if you're interested or not. There's also a trailer for The Boys Season 3. I don't know what it is. I enjoyed the other whatchamacallit, boys' seasons. I haven't watched anything for this season three. I've just been like, like, yeah, I don't I don't need to watch it. I'm not super excited. I enjoyed the series. I enjoyed the comic in the beginning. I'll watch the show. I, I think, you know, I, I, what I think it is, I think part of it is I'm kind of not looking forward to when it comes out because I know it's going to all drop at once. Because I'm, I'm still kind of, I still want to watch Reacher on Amazon. It has nothing to do with the boys. Uh, you know, I listened to the audiobook, the first book, and I was like, oh, yeah, this sounds cool. But because they dropped it all at once, I missed being able to talk about it on the show. I, I forgot when it came out, there was like just too much other stuff. So I didn't watch it. I still haven't watched it because there's so much other stuff. But if they would have dropped one a week, I probably would have watched it. I would have talked about it on a podcast. But then I just feel like when they drop it all at once, then it's it's like... There's too much. So like next week, which I forgot to mention, or this Friday, we got two episodes of Obi-Wan. And then um, with our next thing, actually, so there's a new boys trailer. Let me know. Was it cool? But uh, also on Friday, we have Stranger Things 4 starting. It's not going to be the full season. So it's part one. And... Um, how am I going to watch all this stuff? Because I, part of me, I mean, obviously, if I forget, are they only dropping four episodes? I should look it up. But I'll probably what I'll do since there's going to be two episodes of Obi Wan, um, maybe I'll just try to do like two episodes of Stranger Things and then two episodes of next week or something like that, just to stretch it out a bit. Because part two is not going to be out till July, so there'll there'll be that. You can watch the first eight minutes online. So I'm sure if you just google it or do you google it youtube search it you can probably find that and uh, apparently two of the episodes in this final season 
are going to be like feature length because the episodes are usually like around 45, I think 45, just under an hour. But I think they're actually going to be closer to an hour this season, a lot of them. But episodes seven and nine are supposed to be feature length, supposed to be like like an hour and 15 minutes versus like the, the regular 45 minutes. There's a lot that they want to do, which is good that they're not not just skipping corner or skimping corners. What the heck am I saying? Cutting corners, skimping corners. Let's start skimping corners. So yeah, that's that's good. But it's almost like, well, maybe this shouldn't be the last season if there's so much you have have to, to express. Uh what's from Twisted Metal? I don't know what to think about this. I, I enjoyed the game. I wasn't like a hardcore gung-ho fan, but you know, I, I played I forget if it was three. No, maybe it was two. I don't think it was one. Anyways, so with this Twisted Metal show, I have no idea what to expect. Well, I have to see how that's going to go. The thing is that's on Peacock. So my first question is, will I be able to watch it on Peacock with ads? With As long as the ads aren't annoying. I mean, even if there are ads. I watch, I watch the CW shows on the CW with ads. Although, in my whatever opposing ad response i watch on dvr and i fast forward for through them yeah so i mean as long as there's not like 10 minutes of ads i would watch it and also depending on hopefully they're not going to drop everything at once i am curious because we know anthony mackie's supposed to be in it right but nev campbell is also going to be in it thomas hayden church okay i'm i'm just i think i'm more like curious like what the heck is is happening versus i'm so excited to watch it because it's twisted metal but i'm I'm just like really curious like what what's going to be happening here speaking of cw so apparently in the fall there's only gonna be like i think one superhero show on the cw so there's a star girl season three normally it's been coming out in the summer like in august it's going to come out in the fall instead, and it's going to be on Wednesday. So it's going to be like the big Wednesday night show. Um, the Flash isn't going to come on until mid-season, like 2023. But when's Superman and Lois? So is that... Because like what I read, it was saying that Stargirl is like the only superhero show since like everything else is gone. You know, we're going to have what the, the, what's the Winchesters, but that's not superhero, obviously. And then there's Kung Fu, which I keep seeing the ads for that. And I, as I'm fast forwarding past them, I have no idea how that show is. And then Gotham Knights is supposed to be on like mid season also, like when the Flash comes back or something. So we'll see. And uh, no word if, if there's going to be a season four of Star Girl because it's it's you know in its defense, it's this third season haven't even, even started. So, but I think why that's coming up now is the third season was mentioned before like the second season even started so it was like it was pre-ordered or whatever you want to call it so i don't know rick and morty there's gonna be more rick and morty the anime so there's been a couple anime episodes and they're they're kind of, I mean, they're kind of weird uh you know they're, they're definitely different and i don't mean weird in a bad way it's uh definitely something and rick and morty is just you know obviously goes off the rails all the time so there's gonna be 10 episodes and it's going to be on, on Adult Swim and HBO Max. And okay, uh, the, I'll I'll watch that. So the, the, those were, like I said, some some pretty interesting uh, or epi- episodes. Yeah, that, that's fine. I got a little distracted looking at something. There's a new trailer for Umbrella Academy season three. 
So it's coming out on June twenty second, and it looks. I I I've been enjoying the this this show, and uh, things are just a mess. You know, paradoxes. You know, they with the time travel. Last season, they came to the present, and like the umbrella Umbrella Academy doesn't exist. It's like with the sparrows or something like that. So I'm I'm looking forward to that. So that that that's gonna be cool. But again, it's gonna be all episodes at once, and it's just like you're killing me, Smalls. So that again, when what did I say? June twenty second. June's gonna there's gonna be a lot coming out, which I realize Ms. Marvel's coming out in June. We're also gonna have Obi Wan still going. So there's gonna be over because it seems like Disney Plus has been kind of doing it either like Marvel or Star Wars, you know, having new episodes. And I think that's a smart plan. Have one big strong show to keep people subscribing. So now we're gonna have two shows to get people subscribing. But uh, maybe there's just so much stuff that they have that they don't they can't wait so that that's that's fine right black mirror so black mirror is coming back thank goodness and uh so i guess it's season six i guess the problem was the creator of netflix or not not creator of netflix the creator of black mirror left that company so it's like some other company like owned the rights to black mirror and uh the whoever did black mirror whatever they're doing something else and um, so it, it was i think that's why there's been a delay it's like are we going to be able to get any or not and but i guess we are so um i don't really know exactly what that obviously we're they're not going to tell us anything but that's coming back so that that's ex- exciting because i i love that i think there's also the thing is like man the world is pretty bleak as it is so uh maybe people don't want or need you know you just look out the window and you're the whole world is like a black mirror episode so I I don't know I don't know if that's there's any truth to that. Amber Heard. So I I feel bad for Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. I I am not one to choose sides. I don't know the the full story. I don't like that people are jumping on one side or another. And you know, is Amber Heard to blame? Is she not to blame? And you know, I I just. I think we don't have all the facts. And I've mentioned this before. Maybe there's a recording of certain things, but are there recordings of all the other times where who knows what was said that wasn't recorded? And plus, like, the the fact Johnny Depp's text, I mean, it's just, just really disgusting. I don't care how much you don't like someone when, you know, you're it's it's still this is your your spouse you were in love with this person this was like your your everything at one point yes sometimes things just fall apart there's no reason that to say the public well i guess it maybe wasn't necessarily publicly but i would i would never like i don't know anyways one of the things she mentioned is that her role as mira and aquaman 2 has been reduced so I think Warner Brothers kind of like, yeah, we need to tone this down just because the negative. And that just, I, I I just don't know how I feel about that. And I've mentioned this so many times. The fact that Johnny Depp was let go, fired, whatever you want to say, from the Fantastic Beasts movies. I don't think that that's fair. Whether he was abusive or not to his spouse yeah, that's a crap, crap, crap thing to do. You should not be abusive to anyone. But it's not like he posed a threat to his coworkers. I I don't know. I mean, I, I guess on one hand, it's like, yeah, I don't want to work with someone who's a an abuser, a spousal abuser. 
but the fact that it was alleged, you know, it was never, I, I don't know. So anyways, I guess we won't have much Mara. Is that a good thing or not? But, and you know, I, I have to say, um, I like Grindelwald in the last Fantastic Beasts movie. There was a trailer. See, I told you the news was long this week. There was a trailer for Multiverses, uh, a game. I think the beta is out now, so some people are lucky if they signed up for it, whatever. It's basically a Warner Brothers, Smash Brothers type game. And uh, the trailer, it looks fun, but it also just seems so wrong in some ways. We have like Batman and Shaggy teaming up. And then, you know, who else was in it? It's just, it's weird. I think there's some from Game of Thrones in there. And it just, it seems weird because there you're not supposed to be like CG computer game graphics person. I didn't even know who that was at first because, you know, me and Game of Thrones, I, I need to get caught up at some point. But it, it could be an interesting game. Who knows? We'll see. Um, there's also, speaking of HBO Max or Warner Brothers or whatever, there's going to be a new Velma series. I don't know anything about that. I think this was just announced somewhere. Mindy Kaling, who I think she's, I think she's awesome. Mindy, Pro- I, I enjoyed the Mindy Project. I don't know if I ever watched the last episode because you know I got this weird thing with final episodes sometimes where, you know, I, I don't want to watch the last one. So I enjoyed uh, the Mindy Project. You know, Ike, Ike, what's his name was in it. He was, he was funny. There's a lot, a lot of good people over time. Uh, Kristen Milioti was was on there uh, for a little bit. Very, very, very little, little, little bit, and um, she was she was great on uh, the Office. You know, she's 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 very funny. She's a, a comedy genius. She's done a lot of writing, wrote a lot of episodes of Office. People I may not even realize it. Anyways, so she's uh, kind of spearheading uh, Velma, and it's it's an adult Velma show, and by adult means it's not necessary. It's not geared for kids. One one image or scene. There's some footage that was shown that you know. I guess some they're they're like, oh, can you not put post this online for the people who are there? But Velma's investigating a murder in a like a girl's locker room. So the image, if you you can see it if you search, there's like one girl in the locker room who's clearly naked, just covered with some bubbles. Who's who's using bubbles? In, in a girl's locker room or any locker room, you don't, you're not taking like a bubble bath and you're just gonna have bubbles clinging to your, your privates. And by the time you're at your, your locker, you should have rinsed off those bubbles. And then, but then you see like, there's a dead body. Like the head is like, it's like the, someone chopped the brain out of it or something like that. So it's obviously not Scooby-Doo violence. The other uh, thing is Velma is a, what a person of color. She's South Asian. And uh, Mindy Kaling's like, well, if, you know, people don't like that. I don't care. And and that's fine. So now we, we get to this gray area. Does it matter if you change ethnicity of a fictional character? It shouldn't. Does Velma have to be a white person? Is there anything that is crucial to her character? You know, because a lot of people always try to say, well, what if we make Black Panther white? That doesn't really make sense because that's part of the character that's where he's from or whatever so you know you can't you can't make that that argument but for someone like velma it shouldn't matter what her ethnicity is it shouldn't matter what color her skin is as a traditionalist some people would be like this character is white 
They have brown hair. They she wears glasses. That's what she should look like. She doesn't have to. So we'll see. And I I really love Scooby Doo, and I I feel like I don't know. And you know, because even like Sarah Michelle Gellar, you know, I, I thought she was great in Buffy. Wasn't necessarily my first choice as Daphne in, in those other Scooby Doo movies, which those Scooby Doo movies are pretty good. Come on, Scooby Doo and Scooby Doo Two, uh, Sugar Ray and Mark Mark McGrath in there. I I I enjoyed those movies. That that cast, you know, development there was was great. Cat, uh, what's uh, I, I forget her name, Linda something, Shaggy was great. Everyone was great. Freddie Prince Jr. as as Fred was his hair even blonde? I say it, that's the thing. I mean, Freddie, whoever plays Freddie, should have blonde hair. Should be light skinned if you're being a traditionalist. But I am definitely going to watch this Velma show. I, I mean, I, I feel Velma should be white. I'm not going to say I'm not going to boycott it because she's not white. It doesn't matter. I feel like, again, I'm a traditionalist. I think characters should look like they look. But there's also like a million different versions of Scooby-Doo. And there's there several different series. It's Speaking of, man, I'll tell you, I haven't said it in a while. Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, that is such an amazing series. Was it, like, was it 25 episodes or was it? No, I think it was like 50 episodes. Fantastic series. Great Scooby-Doo series. I cannot, I cannot recommend that enough. If you're a Scooby Doo, if you have not watched these, oh my god! And I know I don't say oh my god because I don't want to offend people, or whatever. You just say gosh, whatever. So silly. Oh my god, that is such a, a great, great show. My daughter and I love that show, and they even, and the other thing to even make it better, there is like a Twin Peaks episode, refer, heavy reference. I don't know if it's still on Netflix. I, I remember we watched it. It feels like it was fairly recently, but it was probably like five years ago, if, if that. It's such a good... So you should watch that. Do your homework. That's your homework. Watch that. Anyways, this is going to be like an hour-long news segment. This is not that good. Hopefully you don't mind. There is a trailer for Prey. That's why we pray. <laughs> we got the Prey just to make it today. Got to pray just to get through this episode. Prey. Is it just called Prey? Is, is there no mention of Predator in the title? Isn't it Predator, Prey, or Prey Predator? Is it just Prey? I don't know. Prey, which is the next Predator, Hulu original. And now I totally, as I realize, like, is it a movie or is it a series? It's a Hulu's original, but, you know, Hulu does do movies also. I'm totally for, uh, forget, forgetting. Anyways, so there a te- teaser was released. And if I remember correctly, because you know, there are some things where I don't want to spoil too much for myself even though i'm supposed to be so i can report on it i believe it's taking place like in older times so because if you look at it there's like someone's like they're like hiding in the field he's got like a, a like a wooden bow and arrow and then all of a sudden you know the target sighting and it's like yeah good luck <laughs> a bow wooden you know stick bow and arrow versus a predator man predator you are such a jerk if you're going after primitive people it's one thing you okay. You want to fight Arnold Schwarzenegger? Okay, that that's a, there's a challenge. Even you want to fight Donald Danny Glover? Not Donald Glover. <laughs> you know, he was he was in the Lethal Weapon movies. So yeah, maybe a, a bit of a challenge. I should watch that one again. Anyways, so August fifth we'll get Prey Predator Predator Predator. I don't know. 
Uh, and then the the last bit of news, right? Finally, is uh, this not really the this thing I'd want to end on? You know, I always try to go something weird or whatever. But this is cool. David Tennant and Catherine Tate are returning to Doctor Who. What? How can that be? If you, if you know like what happened to Catherine Tate's character, Don was her name Donna? Uh, they're coming back for the the sixtieth anniversary uh, episode. So no no idea how it's going to be. Is it alternate whatever Earth? Is it? I I think the easiest thing is like, oops, this was a a lost episode that was never mentioned. I mean, because how do they do these? I mean, they've done it before, like the the five doctors or two doctors or whatever. Where, like, when they did the five doctors, I, I remember watching it as a kid. I'm like, how does this work when we've seen all the episodes with Tom Baker or with, with John Pertwee? And then now, you know, what? How does this work? I mean, maybe they, you know, we don't see them 24 7. And, and that's the same thing. You know, it always kind of bothered me when you do these like audio like books or even like the or just regular books, I guess. It's like, how, how, when did this happen? It happens in between episodes. So. That's that's totally fine, but that'll be cool. I guess apparently there was a rumor people thought that David Tennant was going to come back after uh, Jodie Whittaker, which that uh, would be amazing. I don't know how you would explain that. I mean, I, I don't why why couldn't he regenerate into the same body? And because it's not exactly the same, it's like oh, you regenerated into like what you looked like before. You're a little tiny bit older now, but it's a it's just whatever you know it's just appearance body that is made from i don't know so that is going to be your news for the week all right with uh comics i i feel like there's a lot that came out this week and and i almost i'll tell you man i get so stressed out sometime i'm like how the heck am i going to read all these comics how am i going to watch all this stuff and life is tough for me and and part of it is because i got the the pesky day job you know someone's got to do it someone's got to teach these kids math even if they don't want it (laughs) Uh, at image i only read uh one book i hate this place number one so it was written by kyle starks and i really enjoyed uh assassination and the six sidekicks of trigger keaton you should read six sidekicks of trigger keaton i was such i love that that book uh I hate this place. Uh, the official synopsis is after inheriting a farmhouse, Trudy, Trudy, <laughs> I messed up, man, already. Trudy and Gabby are ready to start the next chapter of their lives together, except it's already home to mysterious force that's attracted ghosts, aliens, and all kinds of supernatural beings for decades. Now, Gabby and Trudy must play by the house rules in order to survive living among the most frightening creatures on earth in this new series from Kyle Starks and Artie Art Yum Toplin. So it's a, uh, it's interesting. So basically you got this couple and I, I love the fact that it's two women, that they're a couple because it, it doesn't feel forced or anything like that. But I, I feel like, you know, even just a few years ago, we we probably well, that's not necessarily true. But I I don't I don't see why we can't have more of this, more representation like this. So I think it's cool. And like I said, it doesn't feel forced. And it, you know, it could easily be a, a guy and a lady. It could be two guy. It could be two guys. It could be two women. It doesn't matter. They're a couple. They care about each other. They're in love. They're married. They're ready to. I it, it totally works. So. One of them, her like great aunt, 
passed away, who she didn't spend a whole lot of time with her. She like saw her when she was little. They have to find there's this like house in the middle of nowhere. This like a bunch of like farmland cows and stuff like that. Sort of like okay, they're basically their their the idea is let's go there, raise these cows until they're ready to be sold, and then maybe sell the land, make some money, and then we can start our, our life somewhere else. Because if you figure like okay, let's invest a year to do all this stuff, work the, this stuff out, we'll we'll the what we get in return will be worth it to so we can start our future or whatever. So like at one point they go to the gas station and and the, the dude they're like, Do you know where so and so road is? And they're like, Oh, you're going to the whatever farm or something like that. It's like, Are you UFO hunters? And and she's like, No. And then oh it was like get ready because like supposedly there's UFO sightings and but there's definitely something going on there and uh it's um when they 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 get to the house, it's not what they expected. Like the the partner, the the non relative, she's like, "Oh, I thought there'd be like uh, ceramic chickens and stuff all over the place." So it just seemed like a regular house. But then they find this. There's this room, a little TV, and just like tons of videotapes. And it's just weird because it's it's almost like a soundproof room. They're like, "Why isn't this TV out in the living room?" They oh, they have the entire Facts of Life series. You take the good, you take the bad, and, and there you have the facts of life. <laughs> you know that show? But then, yeah, then there's like weird stuff going on. And uh, there's also this other incident with these three dudes that like robbed something. And they're, you know, there's a, it, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm definitely in, intrigued with this. So I would recommend that, checking that out. Um, there's like other things that, that came out. You know, if you're a King Spawn fan, issue 10 came out. Good Asian uh, second trade paperback came out. Um, Slumber issue three. I don't remember if this is one because I I think I read the first issue and talked about it. I think I I missed the second issue, and um, I don't remember if this is a, the the same series or not. So oh, and Trey or uh, tra- <laughs> Silver Coin trade paperback volume two came out. This is such a good series that you should be reading. And then, um, guess what? Boom Studios, I didn't read uh, something again. So at Boom, House of Slaughter issue six came out. So, you know, I've been enjoying that. I haven't en- been enjoying it as much as Something's Killing the Children. So, But I, I need to read that. So there's that. At DC, uh, let's see. So we had Batman, Superman, World's Finest issue three. I'm really enjoying this. So this is Mark Wade and dan mora but what's what's interesting is this is clearly not in current continuity so this is some sort of like out of continuity when did this did this even happen is this even in in our regular time you know who knows now with whatever's going on in dc but i can totally embrace this i i and i don't know if it's because it's mark wade's writing dan mora's art is just so so good and uh Tamara Bond villains colors are just it's it just it looks so good and I just really enjoy it. Uh and we even get have you know Robin and and not the pixie boot costume, the shorts or whatever, and we have Supergirl here. So it's just it's it's really, really, really fun series. And that's so weird because I'm usually kind of like anti these other random books because it's like I always feel like, well, and I hate to say it, why does this matter? Why should I be reading this? if it's not going to have any impact on the current continuities. But I think maybe this is the argument that 
you know, if it's just a compelling story, it doesn't matter if it is going to matter or not. You know, it's it's entertaining. So I, I just I've been really enjoying that. So no idea where this is going, but yeah, it's just it's been good. Batman: The Night, issue five. So this is the Chip Zdarsky book. This is uh, like young Bruce Wayne before he's. This is not even Batman Year One. This is Batman. What would you call it? Negative one or negative something? So Bruce is going around the world training. I think he's being a little lackadaisical or whatever with um, possibly his people are finding you like oh you're bruce wayne and you're training to this it's gonna be a little a little obvious um carmine d d g and domenico is doing the art which is just really really great so i i love the fact that this is 10 issues i think when i was first reading this i didn't know how long it was and i, I think I, I in my head maybe i just ignored it because even though it's on the cover I was, I think I was thinking it was like it was a four or like a six issue series, but the fact that it's ten is just great because uh, we're we're seeing more. So it's it's interesting, you know, seeing um, Bruce just moving on, you know, trying to, to get the different skills and stuff like that. And I I I'm, I'm enjoying it. I, I it's always like surprising that we haven't seen more of, of this, you know, more of these stories in, in this time because it's always been because technically he's not Batman, so people are like, well, whatever, you know, why why what kind how could that be exciting or interesting it is so i recommend it and chips are zadarsky you know again he's he's brilliant catwoman issue 43 this feels like it was kind of like a like a segue just like a side like a detour with what am i trying to say it's it's fun because it's catwoman and harley they're kind of hanging out they're doing like a road trip or whatever but it's just weird that we had all the stuff with like black mask and now it's like that story's been kind of put on side. There's some bad dudes that are after Catwoman that are probably, you know, black masks men or something like that. It just, it didn't feel like a whole lot really happened to kind of push the series forward. Like I said, it just felt like let's slow things down a little bit. It's, you know, like I said, you know, it's fun seeing Selena and Harley together yeah yeah it was, i mean it, it was a it was a fine issue you know i i i have been enjoying it the series more lately because you know for a while it's just kind of like you know the alley town or whatever it just wasn't quite working for me as much i don't know earth prime star girl issue four so i think what's going on because i totally missed when this was announced i think each even though this is the fourth issue this is the first issue with star girl I'm pretty sure there have not been three other issues that I've managed to miss. Because there was a Legends of Tomorrow, there was a uh, Superman and Lois, which was a really good issue because it had Tom Grummet art, right? If I remember correctly, I'm not making that up. Uh, so this is Stargirl, and this does feel like it takes place after season two. Um, there was one thing I think that kind of we're left hanging with at the end of season two but this has been this was a, this was a good issue james i think james robinson wrote it and you know, he's been a writer on on the show so you you got that and uh there could be some repercussions possibly you know little little seeds something planted here um and maybe in one of the other cw shows what others it's it's not superman and lois maybe something in the flash somehow i don't know we'll see uh, Fables 151 came out. I, I totally forgot that that was coming out this week. And I remember when it was announced, because 
I don't know how I feel about it because I remember when 150 came out, that was a big thing. It's like, oh man, this series, you know, is so good and it's over. And, you know, Fables, I remember, I literally remember when I first started reading it. I don't, actually, I don't remember the year, but I remember reading, like, having like the first couple trades and reading them when I was going to visit my parents in the Midwest. And uh, I was just like, oh my gosh, this, this comic. And, and part of it also is because my daughter, was so young she would not look at these you know i would not show her these comics but she was all into like the disney princesses and stuff like that you know just the disney stuff and you know the fact that you know you had snow and you know just other you know uh sleeping beauty and you know these characters but it's just like drastically different takes on them it was just such a fascinating outlook seeing so much of the the kid friendly stuff that my daughter was watching and then seeing this more mature stuff it was just it was such a, such a good series, but I started looking at this one and I, I don't know. Maybe it was just feeling overwhelmed so much to read, but I wasn't able to just jump back into it. So maybe I should give it another shot. I feel like I should, but I didn't. Nightwing ninety two came out. This has just been another great series. Yeah, more Nightwing. You know, he's setting things up. You know, he's using money that Alfred left him, and he's trying to make things habitable for you know people in need and bloodhaven and blockbuster he's not happy and you know there's like other stuff going on but it this is just it's been a good series um yeah i don't want to say anything more shadow war shadow war zone i don't know why that doesn't sound right shadow war zone because it's the series has been shadow war but shadow war zone so we we get some some more stories here and um this this was a, a fine issue, um, but I I do have to say I mainly like the first story because uh, you know this this issue it's it's like a forty plus page comic. The first uh, story is written by Joshua Williamson, who's writing the main you know Shadow War stuff, art and color by Otto Schmidt. And if you've been listening to me talk about comics, you know I love Otto Schmidt's art. Uh, DC versus Vampire. I'm loving that series so much right now. So this and this this story is mainly dealing with a uh, Black Canary. So basically, all anyone associated with Deathstroke are being hunted because Deathstroke seemingly killed someone. Which I don't, is it's, is it a spoiler still at this point? Maybe not. So there's a lot of people after, but it, Deathstroke's like, it wasn't me, it was like an imposter. So, you know, people don't necessarily know that or believe that. So, um, and because in Deathstroke Inc., Black Canary and Slade were kind of forced to work together a little bit, so she might be under as a target or whatever. There's a, a story with uh, Rachel Ghoul and Talia, and um, it, it's like a flashback story. You know, we see younger Talia. And I didn't really dig it so much. And then there's, uh, what's it, is his name? Ghost? Is it Ghostmaker? I, Bruce, Batman's friend. We see some stuff. Yeah, I, I didn't really, wasn't really into that one. And then there's this other story. Yeah, so <laughs> maybe maybe it wasn't the best, but yeah, there's 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 some some decent stuff here. Um, and then there's a Flash seven eighty two. Did I read this? I think I did. Yeah, so this is continuing with uh, Wally and Wallace. 
kind of kind of teaming up. Um, Girder, is that his name? He somehow escaped, so they go after him. There's some other stuff happening. Um, it's funny because Wally keeps calling him Ace. And at first I was like, why is he calling him Ace? But I guess his name Wallace. It's not Wall Ace, but, you know, Ace is in there. So there's a little bit going on. Uh, there's also the fact that Linda has abilities that Wally doesn't know about. Uh, but what is more interesting is the next issue part next is a search for Barry Allen. Because, like, where the heck, what happened to Barry Allen? Where's he been? Because, you know, we haven't seen him. And there's, like, that Justice League Infinity, whatever stuff. And so there's that. So that's uh, all that I read at DC. At Marvel, uh, it feels like I don't think there was there was a whole lot at Marvel this week. There's a, like a lot of trades that came out. Uh, there was uh, another Electra Black, White, and Red issue four came out. I didn't read this. I don't even know who worked on this. Let's see. Does it say in a synopsis? Not really. Uh, Peach Momoko does a story. Kevin Eastman. Hmm. That's uh, maybe I should check that out. Yeah, but see, that's the thing with with these issues, the the black and white and whatever color red, it just feels like, it, you know, it's it's a great opportunity for other writers, like you know, Kevin Eastman writing an Electra story, writing a Marvel story. What you know, so you have that, but I just feel like you have to, you know, you have for me, you have to really sell me on either the character or the writer artist to get me to read it. You know, obviously with Moon Knight, yeah, I'm gonna read that because it's Moon Knight. And I only really, really like two-thirds of that. So, we'll see. Um, Eternals, I didn't read. I've I, been struggling with that. Fantastic Four 43. So, this is more in the Reckoning War. And I'm, I'm kind of struggling with this. I feel like it's on a very massive scale. And I almost feel like it's too massive, if that makes sense. Is, is it possible to be too, like trying to be like epic of proportions or whatever there's just like so much it, it's just it seems like you're like putting all your cards on a table it's like you know where is this going to go from here and some of the things like with the how the watchers being handled you know because watchers dead he was resurrected somehow uh you know and it's great seeing nick fury here you know because he was the unseen before and then it's like Doctor Doom totally got like a big, like amped up, power up, leveled up, and it's just like, how's is is this is this Doctor Doom from now on? I mean, he's like techno technology and sorcery to the max. Uh, you know, it's like how do you scale him down after this? And yeah, you know, so I, I just I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Immortal. X-Men issue two. So I almost feel like, I feel like there's just too many X-Men books and it's the good and the bad thing is they, they kind of have their different feel, you know, cause like with the Excalibur stuff and other world with Merlin and, you know, and Saturnine and Roma, you know, that's definitely a different X-Men book, but some of them, I, I, I don't know. So with this issue, Maybe I missed it or I'm totally forgetting. Like, what is the focus of this series? Why did they create another X-Men series and Mortal X-Men? You know, where is this going? Uh, but basically here, Celine 
which is it, sometimes I'm just like, why are are you trying to play nice with some of these completely evil characters? Because you know she's like this mutant vampire that's like thousands of years old or whatever. She wanted a, a spot on the inner council, whatever, and they're like, uh, no. And then she basically th- throws a tantrum and was like, okay, I'm going to unleash this big kaiju, whatever. See ya. And so they need to try to put a stop to it. And how they do what they, how they approach the problem was, was kind of interesting. I, d- I did appreciate that. And with Hope Summers, she's this interesting character. You know, she was like this big, you know, she was supposed to be the mutant messiah and everything like that. And then it's like, she just got, shoved on the on the back burner so it's kind of interesting seeing her kind of come back again and you know she even kind of not you know doesn't straight up acknowledge or say anything about that but it's kind of interesting to you know see like okay where where what is she gonna do like what is gonna be her place because she's supposed to be this big huge thing and then it's marvel's just like uh maybe not you know it's like they didn't know what where to take her after that so that to me that that was the most interesting thing to see like what she's gonna do because you know this is someone who was raised by cable and uh you know so she's definitely has you know some skills in that then there's iron fist issue three and i i is it's almost like i hate to say it i don't almost hate to say it, i do hate to say it but it's almost like with each issue i'm kind of getting less and less interest I, you know, I'm curious who this new Iron Fist character is, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, and, you know, I, I think I just, I like Danny Rand. I, I, I'm not crazy about him losing the Iron Fist. And so we have this this new guy, and maybe it's a matter of, you know, the people like, like oh, Iron Fist should be a, a person of color. He should be Asian or, you know, whatever. But the fact that, you know, Danny Rand was Danny Rand and, and part of it I thought was like this outsider coming to Kunlun, learning the abilities and, and all that. Is that cultural appropriation? I maybe I didn't think it was. You know, this just this was this character. He, okay, he's a white dude, he knows kung fu. Awesome. I, I didn't think it was necessarily a bad thing. Maybe it is. I don't know. I mean, what do I know? But with this new character, I'm just and part of it is maybe there's a little too much mysticism, like the mystical sword and this, and I, I, I don't even know. And I think also because this character existed, you know, he was from something else, and I didn't really follow that. So I don't have a connection to this character. I don't know. Uh, New Mutants issue 25. This was, uh, there's some stuff happening in Limbo. And uh, well, so what's interesting here is Ileana's kind of looking at, hey, Madeline Pryor's back. Why don't we put her in charge of Limbo? And, you know, she wanted to rule, you know, she can get her kingdom, her demon kingdom, she can get that. And Ileana's kind of looking at it, it's like, you know, I don't want to run this place anymore. So let's put it in her hands or something like that. But, of course, there's other factions that are going to cause a problem and, and everything, and... Um, something uh, happens to Ileana that I'm not crazy about. Something, and sh- and it's gonna have a huge effect. I I think it's dumb. I don't see how it's possible. There better be a way to fix this. 
yeah, and it, ha- it has something to do with the soul sword. I'll just say that because I I don't want to be totally vague, but I'm that's that's the extent of what I'll say. Savage Avengers issue one. So this was you know it's the first issue setting things up. You know we have more Conan, but then if you look at like some of the characters involved here, so it's interesting because Cloak and Dagger here, which is awesome because I feel like they're so underused. And as they've, they've kind of changed a little bit, like their relationship, there's been sort of a strain, like some tension. So I'm really curious just to see like, where are they at? You know, where, where are they going to go and, and stuff like that? And then, you know, we have Electra is supposed to be here and we have uh, Flash Thompson. Uh, what is he anti-Venom, I think? And um, yeah, so there's, you know, there's a Deathlock that I mentioned it. Uh, so this is definitely like what the heck is is going to happen here so it's david pepo's um is this this is not his first marvel he had an lecture story in one of the black and white ones but this is like his first series at marvel you know he's done spencer Locke. he's done uh he's done other other stuff like in indie stuff so i'm i'm re- really interested um curious to see you know where what he's where he's going to take these characters silk issue 5 this is the series finale because since we're just getting like mini series and mini series whatever i get it I, you know whatever that's fine so this is putting an end to the korean witch story and i feel weird when i say this like does it matter that she's korean not really but that's is from some korean folklore stuff and and yeah so silk was her some of her essence was drained and stolen so she became old and how is she gonna what is she gonna do now so you have to read that to find out. Spider Punk issue two. I was really excited with for the first issue because you know I, I think the concept of Spider Punk is is really cool. I like to think of myself as a little punk, but I'm, I'm probably not really that punk, or probably never really was that punk, even though I was into a lot of the music, you know, my youth, all that. Uh, yeah, I did own a pair of Doc Martens, right? Didn't I? Yeah, but I, yeah, you know. I did go in mosh pits, but I never had like really like mohawk, spiky hair, colored hair, uh, studs on any of my clothing. Anyways, with this, I feel like I, I get that, you know, the writers do have a punk, you know, background and stuff like that. It, it's 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 a it's amazing seeing Taskmaster with like a Danzig, you know, Misfits hairstyle, but some things like at the end they're like let's go on a road trip hey ho let's go um maybe i'm not punk enough or ever was punk enough would anyone who is really punk actually say hey ho let's go i feel like that's just a little too forced maybe i'm just totally wrong but i saw that i'm like oh man so um there's some interesting elements in the story and like there's there's some stuff underneath their headquarters or what they were using as their headquarters and uh and that's the fact that you know we're, we're getting like slight changes in the character like the way craven is and even taskmaster was interesting it was just kind of weird you know taskmaster is supposed to be this ultimate you know badass dude and then kamala khan comes and kind of just like mops the floor with them and uh, like maybe just not the same taskmaster that we know okay that's fine I don't know. Star Wars, Han Solo and Chewbacca, issue two. So, spoiler. I, let's see. What's it saying in the synopsis? 
the heist is on, Han, Chewie, and Greedo have to pull off an impossible heist for Jabba the Hutt, but who can Han trust? Spoiler, Han breaks into his target's safe, but you won't believe what's inside. So it doesn't mention in the synopsis who this this mysterious, so basically someone from Han's past possibly comes into play. I don't know if it's this person is legit or not, uh han seems to think they are i don't know how i feel about that uh i just i just feel like they can't be trusted because you know what in a world full of scoundrels or whatever you know who there's always like some big con going on right it is interesting seeing han working with greedo and you know because han's just he thinks greedo is just a big doofus and he he kind of is as he's you know proving here so it's just kind of interesting to see like seeing them interact you know kind of working together because they're forced to so we'll see uh thor issue 25 this was a thor hulk crossover i'm not super crazy about this so apparently you know the avengers they want the hulk because he supposedly did some horrible things in a, a bar and i forget where new mexico or texas or something like that he's like he's like off planet like long gone but then they supposedly track him down thor's like well i'm gonna go after him because i'm a big jerk even though dude you're the king of asgard you're not supposed to be leaving you should be ruling over your kingdom and just because you have some little ego bruised ego over getting your your butt kicked by hulk before or something like that so now he wants to take him down so yeah there, there's some interesting things uh with um with how mjolnir now spoiler is uh kind of sort of possessed if you want to call it that there's a, there's like an essence in mjolnir and uh which has an interaction with bruce banner and this starship hulk thing so there's some some interesting things there and then then there's a couple other stories because this is a, a oversized issue, you know, it's issue twenty five. It's it's a forty three page comic, but there's some like kind of classic stories that, um, for me, just wasn't uh, really what I wanted because I've and I, I know I've said it before, but I've always had this kind of thing where I kind of don't like the Asgard thor stories because sometimes it's just there's something about it that's just not for me and while you know the stories by tom defalco and ron friends you know this is like a classic story looks amazing i I just you know and it had enchantress but i just when i got to it and you know maybe it was just a point where it's like i'm trying to read all the comics i just wasn't interested and then there's another story and it was like supposed to be the wedding of thor or something like that and it just it just didn't look right to me um the the art style just yeah i just uh yeah i I said pass so but if you're big thor fan you know there's there's definitely a lot in this issue for you to read that you would probably enjoy then there's wolverine issue 21 so here we basically have deadpool and wolverine teamed up wolverine hates deadpool there deadpool's kind of forced himself on there but let's see 
did I read the last issue? I don't know. Okay, deeper into danger, danger, danger. Outnumbered and surrounded, Wolverine unleashes his berserker rage. Not really. And Deadpool embraces his deadly fighting skills in a last-ditch effort to save mutant lives. But what's with all the robot X-Men and what do they have to do with the X-Dusk? So, um, it's kind of interesting choice of words here, what, what happens. There's a character that shows up here, and it, it's one of, <laughs> probably one of the main, many, that I can't stand. It's danger. Spoiler. <laughs> it's danger. I can't stand danger, the sentient danger room. Oh, my God. So, we'll see. I You know, the, the Deadpool Wolverine stuff can be fine can be fun sometimes it feels like it's a little forced but there is that then there's wolverine patch issue two i kind of was okay with the first issue i think i kind of liked it but then when i got to this issue i'm just kind of like i i just i wasn't really in the mood for it so i i don't know and um maybe even though it's larry hama the wolverine patch issues i wasn't super crazy about you know his time in madripoor and just that just uh, it was just weird that i'm gonna wear a patch over my eye and call myself patch and that's my disguise even though he has the same exact hairstyles wolverine and everyone and he would use his claws and everyone's like wolverine's that you no i got a patch over my eye i don't know so yeah that was, was i feel like i should read it but i'm not going to uh, excellent issue three so I think I didn't mention uh, issue two uh, last time. So issue two, this is just, it's not an X-Men book. It's an X, not even, an, I don't even, even call it X-Men adjacent. It's almost like its own world, like own separate thing. Uh, the Mike Allred art, lower Allred colors. Uh, and just Peter Milligan, just the story is just so weird because it's, a lot of like it's not necessarily social commentary but you know there's a lot of stuff because you know x-force has always been or x-force ecstatics has always been they started out as x-force has been about like social media and getting you know popularity and views and followers and um sort of like that and even before it was like such a big major thing as, as it is now so there's some interesting elements to that and you know we don't even have the same original characters you know there's different ones and um it's just things are kind of dark in a way just with the the harsh reality of how some people perceive certain things and uh basically you know and there's no hiding or there's no shying away from characters getting majorly injured so yeah some interesting things there and then because there's so many x-men books there's x-force 28 um i'm not oh jeez so we have we have a cerebro helmet thing that has gained sentience it's like are you serious and it's basically kind of like gobbling up mutants like i don't know if it's like trying to eat their cortex their brains or whatever and gain more knowledge and become more powerful and i don't know and then there's there's stuff going on with quentin choir he's like been asking for like husks of bodies so he can power them up and do it's i i don't even know and then there's a x-men red issue two so 
Gabriel Summers, Vulcan, he is such a raging jerk. He's he's got like such a massive attitude problem and just like not like getting along with anyone problem. He's like on our our what is it, Araco? What's Mars? And he just has like an issue with, with everyone and I just I I'm not super crazy about all these other mutants from this other I don't even know what they are now after what after the ten of swords and the fact that we have all these people living on Mars now and yeah so it was an okay issue but uh, I'm, I'm you know I'm curious what they're doing also because um, there's a lot of stuff like Ab- Abigail Brand she is just it's like she's evil and you know she has her total own own agenda and she's just trying to manipulate things and i just i i think i think my problem so like with abigail brand and how dark or manipulative she's being and then like seeing like a character like danger show up it just i'm just like Ugh. you know i i don't want that but as i always say you need the villains you need the conflicts otherwise the story's going to be boring but I'm also kind of just like, I don't like these. You know, you, you got to have the, the super crappy situations. Otherwise, things aren't going to be exciting. But uh, I don't know. So with that, that's going to be comics for the week. Okay, but with The Flash, Season 8, Episode 15, Flash's Man, Flash on Rope, Episode, Episode, Episode. No no stopping Flash. It's on next week. It's on last week. It's on this week. Is it next week? This week? Last week? You get know what I'm saying. Uh, Into the Still Force is the episode. So let's. Barry is getting ready for morning. He talk, calls out to Iris, but talks about getting breakfast, but she's not there. He gets a text from her. He already looks on his phone. It was a, he had a text from her. I guess he left his phone downstairs. It says that she's pulling an all-nighter at the office, so don't wait up. So he's like, smile. He zips over there. He has coffees and bagels. And then he gets to her office. This part bugged me. Her laptop is still on. There's no sleep mode, no screensaver, no like locking it. Because unless this is like 30 seconds from when her last episode ended, you know who knows? But it's just the fact that it's still on. The screen is still on. No password protect or anything like that. So he just like looks to see what she's working on. Headline: Fast Track Labs emerges as tech front runner. But there's only like one sentence that's typed and it's not even complete. So he looks at that and if she's pulling an all nighter, he's obviously a little suspicious. Maybe she's written like five articles already and this is like the sixth one that she's just started. But probably not. So he tries calling her, and then he hears her phone buzz from her purse that's like hanging in her, in her right right next to him. So then he whispers, "Iris," and then he zips all over the city looking for her. At Star Labs, Chester gets Cecile coffee because like she's like always there now. Uh, he thought he's like I thought you'd be working now exactly. She's like, "Oh, I am. I'm meeting with a, a new meta client, so you know I, I wanted to get out of the office, you know, and just to see what Team Flash is up to." Chester's like, "Oh yeah, everything's sweet. Nothing's wrong. Everything's silent." And then Barry zips in. He starts typing like crazy on a computer, and then on the screen, Iris West Allen not detected on satellite. He's like, "It's Iris. She's missing." Chester is like, let me extend a look on the satellite because we can track anyone on the planet because we're such nosy busybodies, which just seems such an invasion of privacy unless they only can search like 
team flash members or something like that but he he looks and uh you know he extends it he ex- extends the field nothing cecile tries searching with her powers because whatever <laughs> their powers i can't feel her anywhere it's like okay all right oh so yeah so chester's like she's not registering anywhere on the planet barry's like it's like last time you know she must have had another attack and is lost in time cecile's like okay we just have to talk to Dion. And Barry's like, no one's seen Dion since he disappeared. And, you know, I can't access the still force without him. Cecile's like, well, in Co City, it wasn't just her time sickness that caused her to vanish. You know, it was Tinya, that girl Tinya. It was Tinya's powers that, that played a part. So maybe she's the key. So then we see Mark Chilblain. You know, he isn't too thrilled at Caitlin, you know, with her plan about trying to bring Frost back. And she's like, well, it worked before. And he's like, but what about what made Frost Frost? You know, like her soul or whatever like that. She's like, well, you know, I've already identified the brain waves. And he's like, that's not what I'm talking about. You know, because and she's like, well, you know, I have the DNA from her hair, but it's it's already breaking down. So we're going to have to get another sample. And he's basically like grave robbing or whatever like that. He's like, uh, does Team Flash know what you're doing? And there's just silence. He's like, that's what I thought. She's like, well, they wouldn't understand. He's like, well, neither do I. And he's he's like, do you remember that you just tried to resurrect your dead husband? That was a complete disaster. She's like, well, that thing was never Ronnie. This is different. You know, the science is solid. He's like, it's mad science. And he starts to leave. And she's like, well, you know, Frost was supposed to live a complete and long life. You know, you both were. She's like, don't you want that back? And he's like, what do you think? And he's like, you know, you, but you can count me out. Barry runs to Coast City. He goes to jitters because I guess that's the, the Coast City jitters. That's where everyone goes. She goes there. She steals a sandwich from the coffee shop. It's like, you're, why? You know, get a job. You know, why are you stealing? You're using your powers to steal. That is not a, okay. So Barry comes up to her and, and she's like, who are you? Whatever. And he introduced himself as Iris' husband, says she's missing again. And she's like, again? She's like, well, I don't care, whatever. And she's like, your other half ruined my life. And he's like, well, you have every reason to be angry, but I need your help. And, you know, she was was here the last time. And she's like, you mean when she wiped my mom out of existence? It's like, that's not what it was. And he's like, she never meant to hurt anyone. Which she, well, she did, which is why you should back off. And he's like, do you even understand how your powers work? Because knowing how they work could really help us find Iris. And then she says loudly, I don't care about Iris. And other people start like looking around or like, what's your problem? So she's like, I was fine until Iris found me and started feeding me crap about family and having faith in people. She made me believe that I could have the life that others have. Now it's gone. So welcome to the club. She leaves and Barry notices like everyone and there is frozen. But Tinya, it's like, okay, Iris went out of her way. She did what she, everything she could to find your mom. And then this little thing happened. And, you know, she doesn't even understand the full extent. She just, like, oh, you just disintegrated my mom. So I'm angry at you now. Whatever. So everyone's, like, frozen. And then you hear this, and Dion's back. And he's like, oh, thank God. He's like, Iris missing. And Dion's like, yeah, I know. She's in the still force. He's like, I've been trying to track her down, but, and and then he's like, kind of hurt. He's like, kind of stumbles, has to lean against the counter. And again, everyone in the in there is just like frozen in time. So he says that he's been infected by her time sickness too. So he needs Barry to locate an isotopic sensor 
because it's the only way that he could track down the particle that he placed inside Iris. Or, and he's like, we? He's like, you can't, you can't find her alone? He's like, I, I need your help. Barry's like, okay, yeah, the, the sensor is damaged, but you know we should be able to fix it. Deanne's like, okay, I'll come back to you. So at Star Labs, Barry explains a plan to Joe, Cecile, like Renchester. Joe isn't too happy about the idea of Dion bringing Barry into the still force. Allegra says that, you know, she thought it was, it was dangerous for anyone to go in there. And Barry's like, yeah, it's risky, but I trust Dion. And, you know, he's like, you know, he wouldn't risk it. And Joe's like, well, not the question of God, but why would Dion need help tracking down a particle he created himself? Barry's like, well, Dion's not at full strength. Iris's sickness has affected him. And Joe asks, he's like, have you run this by, by the other forces, like Nora, Bashir, and Alexa? Are they on board too? He's like, I haven't been able to contact any of them. You know, maybe Iris's sickness has infected them too, and we just you know, don't know it. Joe wants to slow down before they send Barry to still force. Barry's like, we don't have time, and I trust Dion. So it kind of seems weird that Joe doesn't want to do whatever it takes to save Iris. I mean, I get that Barry's his kid too, but it almost be like, Barry's saying, yeah, I trust this. It seems like this is the, the way to go. Then I'd be like, okay, go save my baby girl, as he calls her or whatever. So Barry leaves, and then Joe goes after him. Barry, hold up. <laughs> and he's like, you know, he's like, yeah, I want to do whatever it takes, but I'm not so sure about this. And, you know, Barry's like, this is what Dion thinks we should do. But then Joe's like, well, what does, what do you think? You know, what does Barry think? And Barry's like, I owe Dion, you know, I should have pushed before, but I didn't. Now, you know, things are worse. So Chester, I, I, he must have worked on the sensor already because, you know, he's working on something. But then Kramer calls him and needs this device they found at a crime scene identified. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm not, not busy or saving the world or anything. He's like, your timing is perfect. Barry has gone to where, you know, we've never, no man has gone before or something like that. And I have some solo time. So I guess he fixed the sensor already. We just didn't see it. I mean, it almost seems like whatever. Then he's... <sighs> My God, he's excited. You know, he gets off the phone with Kramer and he's like, the crime fighting world needs my mojo, mojo, mojo. Oh my goodness. So Dan comes back. He asks Barry if he has a sensor and he warns him where they're going. There's only one way in and out. So it's going to be a bumpy ride. So he's like, hang on because things are going to get real weird. Snaps his finger, green glow. Barry says, he's like, well, I've been here before when Iris first got sick. Dion calls, you know, at this place, he calls it his front porch. He can see everything from there. There's this big rumbling, like green lightning and stuff like that. And Barry, like, runs out of the way. And Dion's just standing there. And then Barry says, it's different now. Dion's like, yeah, it's more dangerous. He's like, welcome to the still force or what's left of it. So they're, they're walking through, like, a still force city. There's, like, green clouds and everything like that. Dion says that... Things are mad, disorganized. And there's like some people walking there and they kind of like flicker. Like you see this couple, they're like young and then old, and but they're like still walking like together. Barry picks up a newspaper on a bench. It's like 17 dead and dozens injured in particle accelerate explosion. So it's dated September 12, 2013. Deanne says that the past, present, and future are out of whack. The paper kind of flickers and then it says the headline changes. Zoom and Godspeed destroy Central City. And this one's dated May 4th, 2024. I don't know if the show will still be on in 2024, but something to, to remember. Deanne tells Barry to stay 
close to him because if they get separated, he could get lost or trapped in a dead zone where time just repeats itself. If that happens, he can never get him out. Sensor picks up Iris, so they go into a building. It's uh, the, the paper building, I guess. Deanne's like, one thing, when we find Iris, let me stabilize her first. So then you can hear Allegra yelling. She's like, this is my life. This is my decision. So she's arguing with Taylor. I don't know if Taylor is the, the annoying lady. I, I don't remember. But she's like, you know, she, Taylor's saying that they need to know what you've been hiding. And, you know, she has like some, a laptop with something on there. I don't know when this is happening, like what's going on. But Deanne says it's a future moment stuck on repeat. And Barry's like, how do we stop it? And he's like, well, you know, we can't. It's like, we just have to find Iris before, you know, they can fix the whole place. And then they hear, help me. And it's, it's, they go in this other like hallway, whatever. It's, it's Tinya's mom. She says she doesn't know what's happening to her. She just needs to get back to her daughter. And then she like flickers out. And Barry's like, we got to find her again. Deanne's like, she's fracturing, you know, like, like me. He's like, you know, we have to stick to the plan and find Iris. But Barry's like, we have to help her. Renee's, you know, Tinya's mom has been lost there for weeks. Deanne's like, hey, we have to do, what we have to do is keep moving or Iris's history. So like throughout all of this, especially at this point, I'm like, can Deanne be trusted? Because when he first told Barry that he needs to stabilize Iris first, that, that seemed a little weird. And now he's just being so hardcore. But maybe, you know, maybe he's right. It just, it just seems a little weird. He says that, you know, she's the key to everything. The sensor says that she's close. So Deanne says, he's like, I can feel her. Chester goes to meet with Kramer. He takes his time and he's like, oh, I love the artwork in your office. And she's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's indigenous. It reminds me of home. And he's like, oh, it's, it's nice. And I was like, what is the point of all this? It's like, okay, you're you're telling us Kramer's background and, you know, whatever. We're embracing heritage and stuff like that. It just, just seemed kind of weird and awkward whatever so he looks at a device the device is just carelessly sitting on her desk is it dangerous or not she's just it's just sitting there it's not even like in a lab to protect who knows what what this is so um he says or she says that there was an explosion at a halfway house downtown and a fire department found it so they got a call about the explosion when services got there everyone had already been evacuated the device set off an energy wave that took out the entire building and he's like, damn, folks could have died. How many people were living there? And she's like 37 at the time. And so Chester's just, you know, he's so compassionate. You know, all he cares, oh, my goodness, you know, those poor people, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's just like, whatever, dude. Um, so he scans it with this, like, handy-dandy scanner device that can scan anything, I guess. And he's like, I'm detecting radioactive particles. It was packing serious kinetic energy before it went kaboom. So he says, like, oh, maybe it's like some sort of EMP. And then he just like, flip. He like pries open the top without a care, like not even worry about what's what he might be exposing or anything like that. And he's like, whoa, that's quantum coiling. Whoever built this has mad skills. <laughs> okay. And he pulls out this like circuit board chip thing and he stares at it. And then it's like, is it shock on his face? Is it recognition? You kind of know where this is coming if you've been watching the show and if you've been listening. Kramer looks at him. She's like, is everything all right? And he's like, oh, yeah. And he says, he's like, I'm just going to take this to my shop to do a full diagnostic, make sure everything's cool. And she's like, okay. And But she knows something's off. She's like, are you sure you're okay? Oh, yeah, I'm okay. But you know, she's not a dumb dumb. She can tell something's up. So Barry 
and Dion walk into the the Central City Citizen office, or whatever, see a bunch of frozen workers. Vanya, who's Vanya? Vanya is apparently the editor in chief now. Barry says he's like, this can't be right. You know, it's like, where's where's Iris? Whatever. Dion stops Barry, and then he finds a particle just like floating in the room. So Iris is there, but the particle's there. So then he grabs it, and Barry's like, what are you doing? He's like, what are you doing? He's like, we, we, you know, he's like, we, we need that to find Iris. Dan takes it, kind of like holds it, shoves it against his chest and goes inside. We need that to find Iris. So he's like, sorry, bear, got to bounce. Snaps his finger and the scanner disappears out of his hand. He starts to disappear. Barry jumps at him. He kind of goes through a port or whatever. He lands at like Joe's, like in his living room. He tries running out, but then he ends up back where he was. Tries doing it again. So he's is he in a dead zone or something like that? He he says that he's back home again with no way out. So then it cuts to Central City 2049. Nora's like dictating something, like she's at you know on her laptop. I guess she's living with Bart still or whatever. Bart like belches in the other room and she's like, ah, disgusting, or something like that. So she calls up Gideon. And she's basically using Gideon as a thesaurus. It's like, okay, great use of future technology. She's like, what's another word for I forgot what it was. And then uh, Gideon kind of flickers out, and then green particle appears. And uh, Dion says, Barry's trapped. He's like, you know, I, I can't help him, but you can. And then the particles take over her without her permission, and then she disappears. So Barry's stuck in a room. He sees Irish's brush. He hears uh, memories from New Year's Eve. So this is when he zipped everyone out of there, and I thought it was, like, really weird. And then Iris, but before he left, she put her brush down, and it, like, after they left, it disappeared off the off the sofa or whatever. So now it's here. Then he hears Nora's voice. Then um, the the place he thinks the place is kind of like messing with him. But then Nora appears, and then they they hug. So we get another reunion. So that's nice. At Star Labs, Chester's with Allegra in his lab, and he's like, "Oh my God, I'm a supervillain." So the chip that he found in the device is a one of a kind energy converter that he created. She's like, but you didn't build it. And he's like, but I went live with the design on my blog last night. It's extremely dangerous with wrong applications. And she says that, you know, or he says that she was right about him putting his designs out there. He's like, I'll never do it again. He grabs the computer, like the camera off of his monitor, just puts it down. But it's like, does he really need to be blogging to his party people anyways? It's like, why? I was like, what's what's the point is he doing it is he trying to get like followers or you know trying to i know he says that he wants to share the knowledge with people but i don't know it's like like dude you are on team flash now you're doing so much more trying to save the world than oh here's how you can build this thing. but i guess some people are doing some good things as, as we hear later so Nora asked Barry, asked her dad, like, how are you supposed to get out of there? And he's like, I don't know. So she's like, or he says that she shouldn't have followed him, but she says like Dion told her that he needed her help. He's like, Dion. And he says that, you know, he shouldn't have trusted him. Joe was right. Something was off. He says he was so focused on finding her mom. And, you know, he let her down. And, you know, she says that she wants to tell him something. She's like, you'll find out anyways, you know, in, in the future. So she's like, you know how I was following your steps, footsteps of being a CSI? She's like, I'm actually a reporter, and I love it, and I'm just starting out. So she's like, I don't know how mom did it. You know, it's, it's just so hard. And he's like, oh, I'm so proud of you. 
But she's like, yeah, but I'm having a real hard time finding my voice as a reporter. You know, mom just says I should just believe in myself, you know, because everyone loses faith in themselves, even heroes. But when you can overcome that, that's what really makes you heroes. It's your belief in each other or our belief in each other that keeps us connected. And Barry's like, yeah, he's like, we are connected. Then he's like, me and Iris are connected to Still Force because we created it. Then he, you know, heard her voice before, like, she got there, like, Nora's voice. So he's like, somehow, just for a moment, he connected to the future. Then she says that he probably still has a piece of, of it inside of him or whatever. So then, commercial break, when it comes back, there's like a saber-toothed tiger or something outside the house. Nora somehow has her costume on now. I don't know where she got it from. If Maybe she's wearing, maybe she has a flash ring too. Barry's like meditating and she's like, oh, you look like Uncle Wally when he taught Bart how to make lightning constructs. So wait, wait, Uncle Wally? Who the heck is Uncle Wally? There's no Uncle Wally. There's no one named Wally in this show. He doesn't exist. It's like, what is he even doing? He comes and they just did a renew your vows and it's like that. He couldn't even bother to come to Barry and Iris's renewal thing. He doesn't even spend New Year's Eve with them. He's just like, dude, you are Kid Flash. You can run there in like half a second wherever in the world you are. <sighs> but he's like, nothing's happening. Nora picks up the brush and tells him to focus on the brush. Use as an anchor and it kind of starts to flicker. Then Joe is is in his living room in, in the real world, whatever. He sees the, the flickering of the brush and he's like, what the hell? And then he's like, Barry, Nora, what are you two doing in my living room? And she's like, Grandpa Joe, you can see us? So he's kind of like a Green Lantern construct, construct or whatever for them. And it's like vice versa. He's like, I can see you clear as day. You're glowing with a green light. And Nora's like, he's like, the present must be stabilizing. And then Joe starts saying, Barry, can you hear me? But then they, they both like flicker out of, out of the present. And then Joe picks up Iris's brush. So Nora tells Barry that Grandpa Joe's gone, so is the brush. So he says something about the temporal stream. He can feel it. The pure still force is flowing through him. He can see the past, present, future all at once. He can see Jesse and Harry. Um, he can see Cisco and Frost, too. He can see Bart's children. He can see her wife. He's like, Nora, you're all so happy. He says he sees Max. And she's like, I'm getting married? Who's the lucky lady? Oh, don't tell me. I'll, I'll, I can't wait. So then he can feel this the spark, and he's like, let's get out of here. So they run, so they're able to get out of there now. There's lots of colors now. So there's like Barry, you know, whenever he runs, there's streaks of yellow and, and, and red. But now there's green mixed it with it. And with uh, Nora, instead of like the purple, you know, there, there's green there too. Um, so they run to the park. They're running to where they're supposed to go, whatever, for some reason. And then they get bounced back, like, majorly hard. They go flying, like, and they, like, fall in this alley, like, luckily on some garbage or whatever. So they get up. They run back. Barry's like, we have to hit it with everything we've got. So they're running. It's almost like they're vibrating now. They're going so fast. Boom. Bounce back. Blocks away again. And again, landing on a bunch of garbage bags. <laughs> so he says that they're caught in a temporal loop. Uh, Barry thinks that Dion, uh, he thinks, you know, saying it all time exists simultaneously. And he's thinking about that. Then Barry's like, this isn't a time loop. The still force is, is pulling us back to the past every time we're about to escape. So he's like, if we've already escaped, the only way to keep us here is to shove us back into the past. So he tells her to focus on a spark inside her, whatever, and concentrate 
when it's on the other side of the barrier. So focus on the moment when they get back, something like that. So, but they don't even know that they make it back. They're assuming they make it back. So I don't know how you're supposed to focus on that. They run, they go, they make it to the speed lab. And, but then it's like Iris, there, there's still no sign of Iris. So it's like, you came back. What, your whole point was to find Iris there. And Barry's just like smiles. It's like, dude, you didn't find her. Joe's like, you were able to go because you knew you already had. So he's like confused by that. Cecile asked Barry if there's still a spark of the still force inside him because maybe they could use it to find Iris. And Barry's like, yeah, not anymore. I must have used it all. So I'll have to find another way. Then Cecile's like, you know, I hate to ask, but why would Dion want to trap you in the past? He's like, I have no idea. Nora's like, okay, I need to get back to 2049. Hugs and everything. Good to see you. She leaves. Barry's like, he says, Joe's like, you're right. I should have listened to you. Um, so it's like, what is he going to do when Joe isn't around next season? Because, you know, Joe does know everything. He's always got the words of wisdom. But Barry's like, there's one more thing. When I was in the still force, I could feel Iris. I was like, I could almost like, just I could just feel her. He's like, like there was a spark inside her that I could sense. Somehow I, you know, I know that wherever she is, she's okay. And Joe's like, he almost starts crying like hugs Barry. Chester is messaging one of his party people saying that they can ask him for help anytime. Allegra comes in and she says that he's looking better. And he's like, you are right. He's like, I started doing some digging after uh, I remembered something. And you can see his camera's like back on because it's like watching them. I don't know. Actually, I'm not really sure if he meant for it to be on. But we're, we see like the angle from the, the computer or whatever. So he calls up these blueprint plans. This uh, user... Wookie Lover 77 posted in the comments asking for tips on renewable energy so it was an accident. Wookie Lover 77 volunteers at the halfway house where the device went off. He wanted to provide, provide residents with unlimited hot water from a clean source. So that's that's what happened. So uh, one of his party people are trying to do good things, it just it kind of blew up literally. So he's like, "Oh, we should go whatever and uh something with Marcus something, I don't remember." Uh, then he's like, I'll buy you a root beer to celebrate. He's like, I could really use one myself because he doesn't drink. So they leave, but then the computer screen turns back on and then you see downloading all files. And it's like a super fast download. So someone hacked into his, his computers, stealing all his files. That's probably not going to be a good thing because he's just a big dope. So then Caitlin's still sitting at her computer. Mark's like knocking on the door and she tells him to go away he freezes the lock and like the door opens. He's like, sorry about that. He's like, but I think you're going to want to hear what I have to say. She's like, what is wrong with you? First, you blow me off. Now you break into my place. And he's like, well, I want to help you. He's like, I'll pay for a new lock. He's like, I changed my mind because you are right about, you know, us starting a new life together, him and Frost. He's like, you know, you're, or he's like, Frost was helping me be a better man. Losing her broke me. He's like, losing her twice would kill me. That's why I was afraid to help her. You know, to help Caitlin. He's like, if we do this, you have to promise me one thing, that we won't fail. And she looks at him. She's like, we won't. She's like, I promise. Then he's like, then let's get to work. And that's where it ends. It's, I, maybe it maybe it will work. I mean, I, I think it's just like any friggin' stupid comic book death. It is so stupid to just kill off a useful character. So, you know, maybe she's going to come back and everything will be fine. Or maybe it's just going to be bad news bears. We'll have to see. But that was it. 
So, I mean, did anything really happen this episode? Kind of, but not, I don't know. I just don't know. With The Man Who Fell to Earth, Season 1, Episode 4, Under Pressure. So, uh, I, I'm digging the show more and more each week. I'm, I'm just really, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, so I, I finished the, the audio book. And, you know, like I mentioned, I, I watched the movie. I want to watch the movie again now. I'm just, like, really curious to see. I feel like there's some minor differences. This The show is doing a really good job at picking up on a lot of elements from the movie and, and the book. But there's a couple things that are a little different that I'm just I'm a little curious about. So I'll, I'll bring up some things, like, throughout this episode, just some big things that, that, that come up. So it's kind of interesting. So it starts off some dudes playing the piano. Then Justin sits next to him smiling and kind of starts playing with him. He says something, but she can't really hear. And then he like says it again. He's like, you never learned this one. And it's something like, like death falls out or something like blood or something like that. And then he starts throwing up something. It's like, wait, is he throwing up rings? Like what the heck is coming out of his mouth? And she like, screams. So she wakes up in a hotel bed. And then she calls her dad and he's like, oh, everything's good. And, you know, he's like, I'm using my hands and my tools. He's like, Molly's good and everything like that. So he says that he saw her in the news, you know, from the, the London, whatever thing. And she says that she had a bad dream about Danny. And then he gets serious all of a sudden. She's like, you told me I was pushing. You know, I, I need to slow down. He's like, well, we're scientists. And, you know, everything we do is all error until the day that it's not. He says, that, you know, it's just a dream. Or, you know, it can't happen again. Justin's like, well, what if it does? And she's like, Molly has no idea who she is, which I, was, I think she said she is, not he is, who she is. Josiah's like, well, when the time's right, she'll know. So he's happy to say that they're both, they'll both be there for it, you know, him and, you know, because now he's doing better. And then uh, there's news talks about the, you know, the non-disclosure agreements, but there was leaked video of an unidentified man and the footage, you know, goes up to his car, and you barely see a shadow of, of Faraday. And it just is like, you know, because she was like watching us on the, the the news in the hotel. She's like, I, I gotta go. And she's like, Oh, fudge! So Faraday's sitting in a bath with a tablet, and he's like looking up Thomas James Newton. He's like trying to see like what what's on on the internet. And then we see Hatch. He sits with Justin in, in the hotel. They're getting lots of flowers and stuff like delivered. And she asks if there's anything from his sister, and he's like, not yet, but thanks to the book club, they have leverage. So they have offers from Apple, Foxconn, Samsung, Hun Hai, and then Faraday walks out of the bathroom naked. And Hatch's like, wow, it's like, great penis, wow. And then, then he's like, you know, congratulations. And Justin gets up, she's like, you can't not wear pants when you talk to people. And Faraday's like, why not? He's like, the temperature is adequate in this room. And he's like, then he's almost like he gets angry. He's like, if you do not want to look at this body, just say. She's like, yeah, I don't want to look at it. We don't want to look at it. So he complains about how humans are all about excess or whatever. You know, there's no progress in humanity. Then he looks looks around and he picks up a pine. He's like, I could understand if they just send one pineapple, you know, with this hexagonal shapes and everything, something like the math and science or whatever. But then he he's like, but then they send this. And he picks up like this giant gummy bear or whatever. He says that what they call the internet and with all their information, only has one mention of Thomas Newton as an industrial benefactor. And Justin's like, what are you saying? Someone scrubbed him? And Faraday's like, yes. His patents created the environment for the, the internet to exist. He was waiting for you to catch up. They've managed to erase him. 
So, you know, take, they took his work, they made him unrecognizable to his own species. So it's like, what on this planet could possibly have brought about the collapse of Thomas Newton? Then we see this white young dude driving fast in a, in a you know fancy car. He's listening to rap, whatever. He hears the news and he like takes some coke or something like that. And he's like, I found an angle. I found an angle. He's like, just says it over and over again. So then he gets home. His name is Clive. He's 20. And he tells his mom that this could take them someplace. It can help with their debt load. And she's like, debt load? He's like, what are you talking about? And he, you know, she just really doesn't want to hear anything and kind of like shoots things down. And he, every once in a while, he keeps like whistling, like, you know, whatever. I guess it's uh, every time she's like kind of harsh with them, it's maybe it's just like some coping mechanism. And it's like, you know, quantum fusion is what he wants and what she, that's what she wants too, but she's afraid. So she's like, are you forcing the issue? And then he starts like stammering and she like gets like, like almost like in his face. Then she's like, just call your uncle. So I didn't notice it at first, but this lady is, is Edie. And uh, yeah, so this is her son. So she's got a 20 year old kid and uh, she's just, she's just like hardcore, like cold. She's like, like a literal ice queen. She's just so harsh with them. So then Hatch, Justin, and Faraday are driving in a rental. They're about to uh, you know, go ask for what they need, but Faraday's like, why don't we just take what we need? And Hatch is like, because it's the 10th patent, which is in the vaults of origin. So they have to negotiate with them to get access to the vaults. And then that'll make them their partners. There's no other way. So he says that they're going to try to you know, break the science into pieces. They're going to try to break them into pieces. The only, only edge they have is their secrets that, you know, that he knows about. So he's like, if there's any others that I should know about, and then Justin's like, I once stole proprietary IP from my sister's company and tried to sell it to a competitor. Then Hatch is like, oh, uh, okay, thank you, because that's what he did, supposedly. He breathes deeply. Faraday says, like, you're generating fear like an engine. It's making me sneeze. And Hatch is like, fear is my spirit animal or whatever. So at Langley, uh, Agent Clay watches uh, this video footage of them entering the cab. Clay tells that new, that other agent, Lisa Dominguez, that, you know, she's already failing at her job because, you know, she should be on this or whatever. The others have a plan that's unfolding in front of them, and they're uh, working in coordination with Thomas Newton. So she shows Clay footage of Faraday puking the water at the airport. He's like, what is this? Whatever. And she's looking into any release papers from the, the airport police. He tells her that he's like, nobody sees this but us. He's like, pull it from the logs. And she's like, that light show in London, it wasn't a random power surge. The guys in Skunk Works, I don't know what Skunk Works is. She's like, the guys in Skunk Works were stumped by it. It's almost inconceivable that tech comes from anywhere we know about in this solar system so clay's like that thing you're thinking about him lisa is correct and she's like well sir i think he's a flipping spaceman and then he's like now you see where we are so she wonders if there's orders for when they get him and he's like he's on the on the hook for bigger fish they leave him dangling for a while then they'll club them both so this guy is going to lead them to newton she said that there was a, a line in the old Icarus file, uh, partly unaccounted for, Mary Lou Prescott. So she was a hotel maid in 1978. She was in the movie. She was a like big, I think I mentioned her before. She was you know, a big part of like Thomas Newton, whatever. They'll, they'll, but there'll be more on her. So she and Newton met in Kentucky. She was his companion. She's still alive. She apparently runs a rehab outside Brighton now in England. And Lisa's like, and there's a, a plane waiting for him. 
because he's like, oh, you should have, you know, you buried the lead or whatever. So he's he's kind of impressed with this, but he just doesn't want to say it. Uh, Justin Faraday and and Hatch are they they're driving to Hatch's dad's old place. So his, he says his parents split when they were kids. The, the, they lived with their mom in California. He mentions Edie worshiping his dad, and you know he mentions his nephew Clive. He says that she had him when she was 16 in a desperate bid for autonomy. So he's 20 now. Hatch says that Newton's name cannot come up. And Faraday's like, Newton is why we are here. But Hatch says his magical device is why they are here. Faraday says that the prototype was drained at book club. It will not work again. Hatch says that if she knows that she has what they want, she won't give them a patent. So they'll, they pull up. They, they go to the house, this lady, I think her name was Yatsen or something like that. She greets them and she takes them to this room. Edie's out like riding a horse and she's them arrive and, and kind of makes eye contact with Hatch. So, you know, they haven't talked that there's going to be some bitterness or whatever. Wyant, that dude who we saw in the last episode, him and, and some others are, are in the room. Edie comes in too. She doesn't even bother changing or anything like that. Hatch like introduces them, whatever. Faraday looks up. There's like this painting on there like this like a giant planet or something like that and he says that he's like i saw this on my way here or something like that and they're like well, he's just like like mesmerized with it so there's this one dude that, that's there um he's like the physics chair uh the chairman of the physics, physics department at imperial college or something like that then clive comes in and Edie seems kind of disappointed so i don't know if he's supposed to be it or not the college guy asks about the device and justin says that it was a prototype and she says it's for a fusion generator, a personal one that will fit in your pocket with the potential to turn a gram of clean fuel into 20,000 kilowatt hours of power. And so this dude questions, he's like, it could run Buckingham Palace on less than a gallon of tap water. And he's like, for a year? And Clive asks if, if they can see it. She says that they can't because it's capacitated. And Edie's like, that's convenient. Justin says, it's just a prototype. It has design flaws that the, the final product won't have. So they need to build a sustainable version that doesn't burn itself out. Then the college dude's like, if it's real, <laughs> he like kind of chuckles. Faraday's like, why would it not be real? Then Edie's like, Mr. Faraday, you're something of a mystery in all this. And then he holds up like some food. He's like, what is this? And she's like, that's sugar, snap pea, and salmon and cream cheese. So he just looks at it. He like takes a pea off of it and he like sticks it in his shirt pocket. Uh, Hatch just says that they already have the term sheets from Microsoft, Apple, and Samsung. Clive says that with them, you know, with the others, they'll just be part of an algorithm. Here, he's family, and Edie is not crazy about that line. Hatch says he's like, well, that's why we're here instead of anywhere else, and he says because of Dad's connections. Or something like that. You know, it's they're like the fastest route to the power companies. Wyant says he's like, you're talking about a joint ventureship, and Hatch says that they'll be able to retain 15% of origin. He's hand over 85%. Hatch is like 15% of the world's next energy source, which is worth 100% more than anything in heaven and earth. Edie doesn't like this. Then she says, she's like, I don't know this woman and this man may be the real thing, but, you know, playing for the wrong team. She's like, who are you, Mr. Faraday? And she's, she says that he's their last chance. She needs to know him or this isn't going to work. He's like, I am an immigrant. And Edie's like, this isn't going to work. And Faraday says that he wants to know about Thomas Newton. And she's like, I'm sorry, your father took possession of his company. I want to know what happened to him. She's like, 
why would you want to know about him? And Clyde bursts out. He's like, oh, I have his music. And so in the book, after his run in with the government and you know, when his company was taken and all this stuff like that, he actually recorded quote unquote music in his own language. And it was just, it doesn't really sound like anything. It was supposed to be a message to his people. And I, th I think the book described it as like a goodbye and like an F you to them. And he was hoping that it would play an FM radio so that the broadcast would be picked up by his people on Anthea. So Faraday is like surprised to hear that he made, that Newton made music. And Clive's like, it's in one of those world enterprise recording sphere things. He's like, it's in my grandfather's study. So in, in the book, it was on a record because this other dude, I forget his, what's his name, Bryce? I forget his name. But he ends up finding it like in a, at a record store or like a, a drugstore or something like that. So Faraday asks, he's like, what does it sound like? And Clive's like, emo whale? And Faraday slams the table. He's like, take me there now. And Justice, Justin tries saying, she's like, I don't think now is the time. But Faraday repeats himself. He's like, take me there now. And then Edie wants to talk to him first. And, and you know, she wants to talk to, to Clive. So she, she goes outside. She's like, if you want to be invited to the grown-up table next time, you will not fudge this up. It's like, I need to know everything about him. We need to know Clive. Do whatever you have to to get him talking. And then he's like, uh, yeah, okay. It's like, what does that mean? And then she she's like, Just give him some of whatever turned you into a sniffling little chatterbox. She's like, I don't care. It's your future as well as ours. Then Agent Clay arrives at the rehab place. This lady comes up to him as he walks up, and she's like, this, this this place is for women only. He starts lying and saying that his mother has, like he's trying to say she has a problem. He's like, I know I should have made an appointment, but I'm at the end of my rope. He's like, I wasn't even going to come here today. So then we see he kind of gets a tour, and she mentions that Sister Mary Lou has taken final vows. So they work, they pray, they live simply in Christ. And he's like, oh, that is so great. So then this lady yells for Chantel, her, it's a breach. And Chantel's like, one of our cows is giving birth. She's like, a breach requires a lot of strong arms. So they want him to help. So we, the, the, like this barn or whatever, bunch, some ladies are like singing. Clay's like sleeves are rolled up and he's like up to his elbows, like in the cow, like trying to turn the calf. He's like, I don't know how or whatever. And in Mary Lou, she's like, and she doesn't quite look like I would expect her to look, but whatever. I mean, I guess time changes, whatever. She's just like, you know, she's like, grab a hold of the legs and pull real hard. And he's like, someone else should be doing this. And she's like, pull. He pulls and he falls on his back. And he, and it's just like laying on him and there's like gunk and stuff on him. And he just like kind of, after they, they take the, the calf away, he just like vomits off to the side. So later he's like hosing off his shirt since it's still covered in like afterbirth and stuff like that. And he's kind of cold. So he takes off. He puts on his t-shirt and Mary Lou comes up. She's like, oh, that really works on you because the shirt says woke AF. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, you did great. And she's like, what can we do for you? He says, uh, you know, he, or he's about to talk and then the bells go off and she's like, oh, it's a call to prayer. Do you want to come? He's like, uh, no. He's like, I'm just, just here about my mom. And then she looks at him and she knows she's lying. She's like, I've been doing this a long time. There may be something wrong with her, but that's not why you're here. And then, so there's like a, a pause. And then he's like, I'm here about Thomas Newton. And then she like just stares at him. She's like, Tommy? So then there's another long pause. And she's like, I think I know who you are. And then he's like, who am I? She says that she's been waiting 45 years. So at first I'm like, Ugh, does she think that he's another someone else from Anthea? So she said she knew, she prayed that one day 
he would send her a sign and she hugs him. She's like, thank the Lord. Justin has to go over to science with the design and the other, you know, with the others uh, because they don't quite like understand it all. Then this like big clock chimes and she kind of gets pulled out. She's thinking about that, the piano dude. And and then she's like back right away. So the, the one, the dude, he's like, he says something about the probability of miscalculation. And she's like, and there speaks an academic. Edie's like, well, if you don't like the questions, go someplace else. Justin just like retorts right away. She's like, and if you don't like the answers, we absolutely will. And she's like, I don't appreciate this person's arrogance in thinking that he can take the human element out of it. If he'd ever been inside a lab, he'd know that that's impossible. The clock chimes again and, and it, it like throws her off. But then she's like, in science, everything is error until a day it isn't. And she's like, today is that day. Edie's like, is it today? Lucky for you, since you've spent the last five years scrubbing bio waste. She's like, was that always the plan? MIT, grad school at 22, all to realize the dream of donning a plastic moon suit and shoveling poop all these years later? And Justin's just kind of like glares at her. And she's like, I Googled, help me fill in the gaps. And Justin's like, get your boy to mind the gaps. I don't work for you. And she's like, hmm, yet. You were given buckets of funding from the DOE. It's like they signed a check on Friday, but by Monday, you no longer existed. And we're seeing uh, like flashbacks of that dude, the piano dude. He's like an ICU and it's like something's going, like his body's burned or something like that. And then Edie's like, can you tell us why? The clock chimes again and Hatch is like, He's like, oh, okay, this is fun, but you know we should get back to work. So the one uh, college dude or whatever dude asked to talk about the the Columbun barrier or something like that. Justin starts explaining. Um, Hatch is like, are you okay? And then we see her dude, her guy, the piano guy, like throwing something up again. She sees. Uh, then she sees like blood and, and a tooth like on a table in front of her. She like stands up, like knocks back the chair, and Edie rudely's like, what is wrong with you? And Justin just like looks back at the table and sees it is fine. And she's like, I need a minute, please. And she goes outside. Hatch gets up after, goes after her. So Justin's outside. She's seeing like that dude. He's like convulsing in a hospital. And then Hatch is like, are you okay? She's like, I can't do this. She's like, I have people that I'm responsible for. And she's like, where's Faraday? And she's like, he's in a study down by the lake. So Clay asks Mary Lou how she and Thomas knew each other. And she says that Tommy was jealous of all their colors. You know, she's looking at flowers. She's like, we met when I was a hotel maid in Kentucky. And he changed everything in my world. Then he disappeared. So all, all, you know, all she knew was his company had moved to England. So she followed, but she never found him. All she could feel was his absence. And that's all that she still feels. So then she's like, she's at these like bee boxes and you know where there's like those panels and and she's doing something there and clay's like uh shouldn't be wearing like helmets so she takes the top off and she like reaches in and he kind of backs away he's like what are you doing she says that you know she couldn't even say his name you know for four 45 years she couldn't confess you know this is her time this is her time for penance she takes out like a panel thing and she kind of like puts her palms like like on a sheet of honey and she starts like just spreading it on her face and then the bees are like starting to fly in her like one actually like flies in her mouth and she just doesn't even react in the study Faraday asks like where's the music and you know the Clive he's packing a bowl with something uh, it's it's I don't know if it's opium I don't think it's cocaine I don't he's doing something I don't I guess I don't know my drugs it's not, it's not pot I'm 
don't think. <laughs> so uh, then Faraday's like, you know, parents do not eat their young, but you are frightened. So then Clive does like the whistle thing, and Faraday's like, why do you do that? Well, who is it for? And he's like, I can't control it. Faraday is actually, he's like, you're, act you're making it worse. So Faraday's like, why are you so afraid? He's like, where is Newton's music? He's like, why are you so afraid? And then Clive blows a big puff of smoke into Faraday's face, and it hits him hard because of his sensitive senses. And then Clive's like, you know, he's like, I'm not anymore. He's not afraid. So Faraday's like groaning and he's like hacking. He's like sweating. And he's like, where's the music? And Clive keeps like smoking. He says, he's like, well, tell me where you're from and, and then I'll tell you. And Clive says, he's like, I don't have it. But Faraday says that he's like, I can smell it on you. He goes up to him. He like reaches in his like coat pocket and like pulls it out. And then he puts it on like the player thing or whatever. So it's, it's just like a sphere and it kind of floats above these little things. And then distorted music starts playing and Faraday's like listening and there's like this indistinct chatter and stuff going on. Mary Lou says that Tommy told her he had someone back home, a wife, but she didn't care. She couldn't stop herself. She mentions that he was as light as a feather. She kept saying that, you know, he's in the wrong place. You know, he's just waiting to leave. And the study, the indistinct chatter continues. Clive's, he's like, you know, he's starting to get stoned or whatever. He's like, I could be, I could run this company, you know, without my mother. He's like, we could. He's talking to Faraday, I don't know. And Faraday's like, stop talking. And Clive says that it's just making a lot of pretentious noises. Faraday's like, it's a message to his wife, to home. He's trying to tell her goodbye. And he's like, I'm falling into darkness. I keep waiting to hit the bottom to be unable to remember you. But I do. I remember you. I hold you in my fist. I can still say your name, but they're prying open my fingers one by one. And then he's like, maybe forgetting will be a relief. He's like, I had a last view of where the ocean used to be before I left home. I didn't know what I was looking at, but I was looking at the end of time. Mary Lou continues, you know, uh, he said that he had to get back to her before he lost himself. He came to her because he was supposed to know better. And in heart, in her heart, she did. She thought that the way to love someone was to give them gin because she drank gin. <laughs> and clay is kind of like freaking now so she says that she made him drink gin too and it drowned him she loved him and she made him love her and need her and it just broke him it broke his heart and made him crazy clay's like you can break you can break their hearts and she's like what they dear god oh no is there another one she's like is that why you're here and she's like oh jay, jay you have to protect him and he's like, wait, who's Jay? I don't know why she call him Jay. But then she moves towards him. She's like, don't let him need anyone. He's a miracle, but miracles are like nightmares. Either God makes you strong, strong enough to face him, or he doesn't. And she's like, you have to protect him or he'll go insane. Faraday continues. He's like, my mind is slipping away. Help me remember your name. Help me, help me. Faraday is kind of seeing like Newton, whatever. He's like, you're becoming a memory the horses outside are kind of thrashing with each other. They're like rearing up and just like kind of kicking. Clive stands up to like watch them. And then Newton's like, tell my wife I love her very much. Uh, and then Faraday's like, she knows. Um, then a horse rears up and like hits the window and, and like the window cracks. And, and Clive kind of like flinches at it. Faraday's like, what? What is this? This does not happen to us. And he has like a tear in his eye. So he's like, he doesn't know what's going on. And he just 
finally grabs the sphere and he like throws it at the window, like all the glass shatters, which is weird that there's like four different panels and they all just like shattered. The horses like run and and then he like just as you see her like walking up to the study. Then Lisa's talking to Clay on the phone about the private plane that was chartered. She mentions Hatch Flood. Uh, the dude was signed out to a Justin C. Falls. She has a DOE file, and Clay's like, stop, her, say more. At first, I'm like, wait, what? So I think he's, I think this means, this is his way of saying, okay, stop right there and, you know, elaborate more on that. So he wants to hear more about, about her. So Lisa says her file is sealed, and he's like, if it's sealed, I want it. He's like, get it. And he's like, she could be an issue. He mentions... Uh, that there was a learning curve with Mary Lou, so apparently they aren't great with women. So he's like, who was who the third passenger on the flight? And she's like, first initial K, last name Faraday. So Claire, Clay tells her to book him a room in London and make sure there's a change of clothes. And he's like, one more thing. She's like, she says that you know she sourced the background on Edward Flood. Apparently, he had an arrangement with them dating back to 1978, the same year that Newton disappeared. And then Clay's like, "Stop, say more." So then we see Faraday's like walking in the field, kind of sobbing. Justin's like, "What happened?" And Faraday's like, "He could not remember her name. It ripped him apart, corroded him, ate him alive like an infection." He's like, these are not my experiences. They they are his. I cannot align it. I want it to stop. And she says that, you know, what he's feeling is them, humans, you know, this is what they are. And he says, like, I do not have time for this. And she says, like, like well, you just need to, un- maybe you just need to understand them. Antheans understand each other. They do not endure each other. And she's like, but we do. You know, this is what humans, we can feel others, you know, even strangers. And he asks, he's like, how do you tolerate this? And she says that, she says some stuff about creating deceptions and deal with it. And he's like, lies and whatever. And then he like mentions like a fallen tree in a field. He says that it deformed itself to stay alive. Did Thomas Newton do the same? Why would he want to become like that? He's like, he wouldn't, you know, something must have. And then he says he has to finish the mission and then he like falls to the ground and he asks her, he's like, can you help me? And she's like, yeah. So back in the hotel room, Hatches, uh, or not in the hotel room, back in, in like one of the rooms, Hatches alone, Edie comes in and she, she he's looking at this painting and she's like, where's your team? She's like, they're a wreck. And she's like, that girl? And he's like, call her that girl to her face. And she's like, and Faraday? She's like skittish as a whippet. And Hatch is like, you know, he's a genius. He's like a once in a lifetime meteor. He, you know, and then he's looking at this painting of them as like kids. And he asks if she remembers when it was painted. She's like, of course. So they're actually talking about reminiscing because she's holding this book in a painting. And he's like, you read it all summer. And she's like, yeah, dad gave it to me. And so it was, she's like, remember what it was about? He's like, no. This is a book about animals. They all had jobs. And like the in the book, the pigs were butchers and they would sell stuff like bacon and other meat to the other animals. So, but then he mentions that she wouldn't even look at the painter because she was like scared. And she's like, I thought he was going to eat me. It turned out not to be the painter, but you. And he's like kind of surprised and hurt. And he's like, why do you need to feel like I hurt you? And, you know, then she says, it reminds me I'm not a pig. So Hatch says, he's like, I never actually called you that. That was dad. And he's like, she's like, well, what are you talking about? Hatch says that they both 
know who he was. She has to pretend like he was a saint and Hatch was a villain. Dad was like Dr. Frankenstein doing Stanford prison experiments on his own daughter. He's like, I was 11 years old. He's like, all they ever had was each other. She kind of processes this, but she's like, that's what makes your betrayal so flipped. And he tells her to like look at herself. He's like, are you even eating? It's like, you know, you, he's been dead a bunch of years. You still worry that he's going to show up and measure your upper arms for, you know, the elasticity or, what, you know, the muscles or fat or whatever. So he's, he's like, he was an ugly guy. He was ugly with you. He was doing ugly stuff at work and with the patents. He's like, it's like, you never wanted to hear it. And she stops him. She's like, wait, what about the patents? She's like, this whole thing? And he's like, no. She somehow figures it all out. She's like, oh, my God. You built this out. You need the patents. You've roped these people into your obsession. And he's like, this is real. And Faraday is the only one who can unlock Newton's 10th, uh, whatever. And then Wyant comes in. She tells him, she's like, get rid of the professor. She's like, we're not making this deal. We're never making this deal. And then Wyant whispers, like, there's someone here to see you. So to Hatch, she's like, he's like, you need this. I don't. Outside, uh, Spencer Clay is is waiting. He's sitting like he's king poop, whatever. And he comments, he's like, oh, these grounds here are amazing. It's, it's a hint, you know, last taste or bit of aristocracy or whatever. And she tells Wyant, she's like, handle whatever this is. She's like, I don't have time for this. And Clay's like, he can't handle it and you're not going anywhere. She says to have him escorted off the property. He's like, he doesn't speak to me like that. And Clay's like, I'm going to speak to you any way I like. He's like, I don't know how much your father told you about his business dealing. And she's like, he told me everything. We are very close. And Clay's like, oh, that is so nice. He's like, you know, so were we. By the way, I mean the Central Intelligence Agency. And she's, it turns out she didn't know about this. And he like kind of calls her on it. She's like, so I guess you weren't that close. So he says that uh, they need everyone to be optimal. And, you know, she needs to know that they installed her father. So he's sure that she's enjoyed believing that origin is a family company, but no, they took it. They took it from a fellow named Thomas Newton after they, after the the CIA took him apart, they installed her dad. And he was, I guess you'd call it, he's like a bag man. He's like, no, a doorman. He was meticulously selected for his mediocrity. And then, you know, she's leveraged the patents to the hilt, but those patents are classified and theirs. And because of their arrangement with her dad, now so is she. He says that he understands Mr. Faraday is there to make a deal. And he's like, you're closing today. She's like, I know he's brilliant and he needs something that she has to build what he wants. So Mr. Faraday has become his duty and there's nothing in the way of that. You know, just gonna nothing is going to get away. He's like, you know, am I clear? And then he sees Faraday and Justin walk, walking up and he's like, let's talk about Justin Falls. Back in a room, Edie says that they need Newton's 10th patent, and Mr. Faraday is the key to unlocking it. Wyant has convinced her that it's beneficial for them both, and, and Clay comes in with her. So she says 85% is off the table, and Hatch is like, who's your friend? So Wyant says that he's one of their consultants, and you know he says some stuff that he's a DOE contractor, and Hatch says, like, BS. He's like, you know, they're a global company. And he says that once they, they come to terms, he can uh, 
fast track them through the regulations like 90 days. And Hatch is like, WTF, Edie? And then she's like, I'll agree to 50%. Hatch is like, we'll need majority voting rights. And she's like, no way. Wyant says that he can have patent credit, but only 5% royalties because they're taking a risk and footing the bill. Hatch is like 50% stock options with a one-year vesting period. Wyant counters with 49% ownerships and six-year golden handcuffs. I actually never heard of golden handcuffs before. I, I, I really like that, that term, what, what that means. Hatch says that they'll need a silver bullet clause, and Edie's like, fine. He's like, fine? She says Mr. Clay has contacts in the DOE, and he provided clarity on Miss Falls and the gaps. Hatch is like, and? Edie says she killed a man. Not a man was killed. She killed a man. It's like her father, Josiah Falls, was present at the time. The gentleman's name was Daniel Holland. He was 28 years old. Holland was exposed to a lethal dose of radiation under her watch during her experience with fusion at Los Alamos. And Clay's like looking at this. He, he almost looks kind of smug as, as she's just like saying all this stuff. So Edie's like, she knew the DOE had a mandatory evaluation period before she ran her tests, but she didn't want to wait for their approval. So she went in after hours, even against her father's advice. She was described as reckless, negligent, even a zealot. She's like, which is not a word that you would find often in official documents. She was so singularly focused, she didn't realize the safety access system was off and she ran her experience, experiments anyways. So she pushed it and she cooked poor Mr. Holland. She made a decision that cost a young man his life out of hubris and incomprehensibly poor judgment. So she's like, that's in here too, by the way. And she's like, slides this file towards Hatch. She's like, I agree to the terms, but I cannot put my money on her. She's out or I walk. Faraday's like kind of been listening, very concerned, and he it's like very quiet in a room. And Faraday to Justin, he quietly asks her, is this true? And she like whispers, yes. Faraday says he was irradiated and the file was sealed. She stammers that those were the terms of the settlement with the DOE that they, they made with his family. And Faraday's like, what kind of radiation killed him? And she's like, neutrons. So you did achieve fusion? And she whispers, yes. For how long? She's like, J just over a second. Beyond that would have been, and Faraday's like, impossible? Then he's like, Miss Falls stays or I go. And Edie's like, what? And they're all kind of surprised. Edie's like, that doesn't speak highly of your judgment, Mr. Faraday. No, Miss Flood, it does not speak very highly of yours. Hatch is like, oh, so uh, you get me, him, and her, or you get nothing and we all lose. So she looks at Clay and he still kind of has that like slight smug grin on his face. I and mean, he's not saying anything about this. So they all sign. Wine says, congratulations all. And Clay walks up to Faraday alone. And he's like, hey, I'm really looking forward to getting to know you, Mr. Faraday. And he puts out his hand to shake, like he puts out his right hand. And then Faraday puts out like his left hand. So Clay has to put out like his left hand, whatever. And he, he like Faraday looks like he doesn't fully trust him. And then Hatch whispers to Edie, he's like, who is that guy? She just kind of glares at him and just like walks away. And then Clive's like, welcome back to the world. And then, then you know, they all kind of leave. And Hatch just like raises his glasses like, you old flipper into his dad, you old fudger. <laughs> so then we see Justin's out by field. Faraday comes up to her and she says that 
you know, she wanted it so bad. That's why she kept pushing. And she's like, his hair fell out, his teeth, he vomited them up. After he died, she's like, I found out that he, I was pregnant. And Faraday's like, Daniel Holland is Molly's father. And she's like, yeah. She says that she didn't leave her room during the pregnancy except to go to the doctor. She thought that if she did, something bad would happen, that she'd be punished. So she had Molly at home, like in a bathtub. She never left her side. She didn't sleep. She just watched her for a year. And, you know, she was just waiting. She thought that they'd both be punished, but they weren't. And she's like, she's perfect. Um, she's like, but my dad is, she's like, sometimes I think that he was punished instead. And then she's like, Molly looks just like her father. And she doesn't know anything. It's like, she can't, she's like, I can't do anything for them after what I've done except to try to save the entire flipping world. It's like, maybe then they'll be safe, you know, from me. And he says, or she says that she's grateful to him for not cutting her out. And he's like, if we are going to continue, that I need you to understand that your perspective is skewed. The nature of progress is that it requires sacrifice. You achieve fusion. That only one person died during that the greatest evolutionary steps on your timeline is what you would call a miracle. So somehow you see it as a failure. You succeeded. And he asks if she remembers what she said the first time they met, and she like shakes her head. Your mission is my mission. Neither one of us can go forward alone. And then he kind of like walks off the field and she like goes after him. So they're making progress. Uh, next step. It's just weird. It's like, what is Clay? What, what's his deal? So he knows he, he, he knows that Newton was an alien. He knows now that Faraday must be as well. He's allowing him to go through with this. And is it just because they want to catch Newton again? Or do they? does he even care about what he's trying to do? So it's all kind of interesting, I think. All right, then there is a new show on HBO called The Time Traveler's Wife. So you may have seen the movie before. Who was in it? Was it Eric Bana? It wasn't the greatest movie. The, I love the book. I, I, I really, really, really enjoyed the book. And uh, the movie just didn't quite get it. Now, I've only seen the movie once, and I was just not uh, – that excited about it you know after after the book so there's just something i don't know what how, how to really explain it i mean it's 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 a it is a, a kind of a romance story i mean it's it's just really weird basically you have this dude who has a condition and he time travels he travels through time he can't control it he just poof, disappears and then eventually, you know, he gets married and, you know, she's aware of it. And it's just, there's the, the way it happens. It's not something that you would want. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I'd love to travel through time. That'd be so cool and everything. It's like, this is like not a good thing. So I, I really recommend this. Uh, having watched the first episode, I think this is great. The new episodes air Sundays. So that means we're going to be like a week behind. So you'll have time to watch it, catch up before I, I spoil everything and talk about it. But like I said, I, I really recommend that, that you watch it. it. It's They're doing a good job with it. And I think it's, it's just six episodes. And surprise, surprise, they only dropped one episode this week. So that is, thank you so much. Makes my life so much easier. I, I know it seems like such a silly thing, but it's just, trust me, it's, it's just, it makes a, a huge difference to me. 
so in episode one, so we have uh, Henry, Henry and Claire is our couple. So Henry is, t- he, it just starts off where he's, he's kind of talking like in a, a camera, you know, there's like, it's like recording like a camcorder or something like that. He talks about how it feels a time travel. He says it feels normal or like nothing except you're naked. And you end up in the middle of a highway in the middle of a field. So we see him like dropping an alley in a barn and, you know, it's a farmer shoots at him. Then Claire mentions like the bed sheets next to you go slack and you, you'll hear a copy cup drop or the bacon keeps cooking or there's just a pile of clothes left. So that's the thing when he, he just disappears and he leaves his clothes behind. The show does a good job because we're traveling through time. We see the characters at different points and the show does a pretty good job on screen showing, you know, it'll mention their name and their age. The closed caption also does a better job where sometimes it'll tell you like who is speaking, especially if it's off camera, you know, you hear Henry talking. It's like, wait, how old is this Henry? So it's something, I think it's, it's a huge thing. Is it spoilery? Maybe, but I just think it makes things flow better or less confusing. So, you know, there's no question like what's going on. So Claire, age 34, and she's like, it, it, so it starts just a waiting. And Henry says that, you know, time travel is not a superpower. It's, it's a disability. It's what's wrong with him. He can't keep hold of the current moment. He just slides off. He's like, like slides back in time. Claire says that, you know, she waits and worries. Like, you know, where is he? When is he? Is he in danger? And he says, sometimes, you know, you're back where you left off like five minutes. Sometimes it's days, weeks or months and you just have to survive. So he's like, you have to be good at running, fighting, and stealing. So, man, that would suck. So when did they first meet? They're just like, well, define first. So young Claire, we see a little girl, Claire, running through a field behind a house, like carrying a bundle of clothes. Then we see Claire is an artist. So she's age 20 here, but Claire 34 is narrating. So it might be a little confusing. So Claire is 20. Henry's 28. He works at a library and this... Uh, because she, she's doing some art and she needs to go to the library for porn. She says there, there's like some art book or something like that, that the, wherever, whatever school she's going to, they don't carry it because it's too risque, I guess. You know, it's not porn. It's just, it's probably gratuitous or nudity, whatever, not gratuitous. But so she has to go to this other library and Henry happens to work there. So he's in, in the like work in the, the back rooms or whatever. This other worker, student, whatever. He's like, I found some clothes. He's like, are these your clothes or something like that? Because he must have disappeared and left them behind. When Claire's there, she's looking for a book, and then uh, she recognizes him, but he doesn't know her. So she introduces, you know, she comes up to him, she's like kind of excited. She introduced herself as Claire Abshire, and he's like, then he's like, she's just like staring at him. He's like, Are you okay? Because she has this like look on her face. And she's like, I didn't know you were a librarian. He's like, Okay, whatever. She's like, You have a birthmark on that looks like a you squished a strawberry and it's like on his foot or something like that. And she's like, you have a scar at your hairline, but you never told me how you got it. He's like, so we've, we've met then. And she's like, yeah, no, I've met you. She's like, I saw it at that birthmark 14 years ago. And now you're standing like you've never seen me before. And she's like, you're so young. You're younger than I've ever seen you. And he's like, do you understand why I don't recognize you? And she's like, yeah, I know about your problem. So he he told her, he says that, she's like, well, we can't talk here. He's like, how about a drink? And she's like, dinner. And he's like, well, that escalated quickly. And she's like, well, you know, it's, it's been 14 years. So they make plans for that, that night. He kind of walks around and then it's 
kind of like awkward. It's like, do they hug? Do they kiss? And, you know, just like, what did he do to say goodbye here? Because she knows him, but he doesn't know her. And he's like, well, I'm, I'm usually pretty good at reading women because he was like flirting with this other like woman's, you know, student before. And she's like, woman? He kind of corrects himself. He's like, uh, people. He's like, both. And she just kind of looks at him and smiles. And he's like, oh, you idiot, whatever. And then as she's like crossing the street, she's like jumps up and looks out of woo. And he just kind of smiles because she's like super excited. She finally has caught up to a him in a present. So he goes to his apartment. It's a mess. It's, it is horrible. There's like food on the floor. There's dishes everywhere. He takes a bunch of clothes, goes to put it in a hamper. There's food in the hamper. There's a hairbrush with like all his hair. And then there's like makeup and tampons, all the stuff in the bathroom. It's like, hmm, uh, who, who's all, all this stuff? So he just takes it all. He just scoops it all in like the bottom drawer in the bathroom. Then he he looks back into the bathroom and there's a huge pool of blood all over the floor, like blood splattered all over the place. He just like looks at it and he leaves, like go grab a towel, comes back and the blood's all gone. So it's like, wait, what What was that all about? So at dinner, he, he shows up, you know, she's sitting there and she's like, oh, you never brought me flowers before. Then she's like, is that how it usually works? And she's like, you know, what are you trying to achieve? And, you know, like, what's he trying to, you know, think what's he thinks going to happen on his date with her? And he's like, well, it depends. He's like, are we on a date right now? So then she hands him a journal and he's like, what's this? And she's like, dates. She's like 152 of them. He opens it up and it's like kids writing, like dates crossed out. It's like September 23rd, 1994, September 29th, 1994, October 15th, October 25th, December 13th, like et cetera. Turns a page. It's like more dates, like 95, like all these dates and just like crossed off each time. He's seems like he's kind of shocked. And then she like sees his skin knuckles. She's like, have you been in a fight? And he's like, sure. How do you think I got the flowers? Then he's like, who wrote this list? And she's like, I did when I was a kid. He's like, you dictated it to me. He's like, I did? She says that it was so she'd know when he'd be showing up. And he told her a few years ago that he memorized it from the list that she's giving him now, which he dictated to her in the first place. So she's not really sure how that information exists. She's like, it's some kind of like a Mobius list. And he's just like, stop. He's like, please. He's like, just slow down. Because, you know, it's confusing. So, I mean, if you think about it, she wrote this list that he told her and he got the list from reading what she wrote that he told her. But he, he told her because he read the list that you get it. She asked if this ever happened before meeting someone in the wrong order. And he's like, it's like, no. Then she asked, didn't he warn you about this sort of thing? And he's like, who? She's like, the guy who, who trained you. She's like, I know there's a guy who taught you all this time travel stuff, like the rules and all that when you were little, like another time traveler. And she, he asked, he's like, did did I, did I tell you who it was? And she's like, not so far, no. So he, he wants to get this straight. He's like, okay, in the future, I'll start showing up in your past for 14 years. And she's like, on 152 times. And then he's like, how old was I back then? She's like, uh, the oldest I've seen you is like 40 something. The youngest is maybe about 30. And she's like, how old are you now? And he's like 28. And she's like, you look so different because you know, he has like longer hair. She's like tightened, like hot. And he like stares at her. And then she says, ask me something. So he's like, why you, you know, why would I go see you so many times? And she says that they'll have to come back to that one. 
So he's like, but there is a reason. And she's like, yeah, next question. He's like, any hobbies, favorite books, any unusual sexual proclivities I should be aware of? She's like, one, I'm going to marry you. And then he's kind of like shocked by this. She's like, yeah, I was going to build up to that, but uh, there it is. She's like, I'm your future wife. And he's like, who said? She's like, you do. You explained you were visiting me from a time in the future when we're married. And he, he's like, kind of like not really sure how to take this. And he's, he's like this old couple walk by at a restaurant and he's like, congratulations. And she's like, seriously? <laughs> and he is like, what, what am I supposed to say? He's like, you know, you're my wife, you know, she's like future wife. He's like, I met you four hours ago and we haven't even ordered food yet. So she, she kind of laughs. And then she's like, well, you know, I've had 14 years to, you know, think about this. So she's like, ask more questions. He's like, okay, but. I only have your word on that. And she's like, well, I only have your word on the fact that they're married. So he seems to kind of struggle with the word couple, you know, stuff like that. So it seems like, you know, he doesn't really want a commitment or whatever. Then he finally asks, he's like, how did we meet? And she's like, you mean, how was it for me? Because he obviously he's meeting her, you know, today. So it goes back to the beginning. We see young Claire running through the woods. Actually, this is like before that that moment, I, I take back. So she's running through to what she has like this toy horse, she, and then she runs out to this you know place. She, uh, there's like this big rock in the woods. She's brushing its hair, and then she hears some retching. And a close caption says it's 36 year old Henry. So Claire is six here. So he's 36. She's six, and she thinks it's someone named Mark, which I think is her brother. And she's like, Mark, this is my place. He's like, you're not supposed to come here. And there's still like nothing. So she takes her shoe. She throws it in the bushes and you're ow. And then he's like, hello, Claire, I'm Henry. And he says that he's just sick because traveling makes him sick sometimes. She's like, you know that. And she's like, who are you? He says, don't you know me, Claire? Haven't we met yet? And then he's like, oh, so you're you're meeting me now. And just just so just know I'm, I'm a friend. He's like, I promise. Like, my name is Henry. So he asks if she can get him some clothes because he doesn't have any. And she's probably great at picking out clothes. So she runs back to the house and we see she has a younger sister. Her, her mother is just like in the living room, just like staring out the window. So it's almost like there's something up with her. The dad's like upstairs in a room with the brother and they're like on a computer doing something or help homework. I don't know, whatever. So it kind of feels like she gets ignored a lot or something like that. Maybe cause she's a middle kid. So she goes in a wardrobe, whatever, takes out some clothes she runs out with it puts it down and then she waits and then it's now it's at the, the part from the beginning so she covers her eyes whatever and he's like okay i'm ready and so he he's dressed doesn't have shoes on so she sees his birthmark and she's like oh it looks like you stood on a strawberry and, and squished it he says oh, someone else told me that and she's like oh yeah because it was it was him and then she asks have you ever seen dinosaurs he's like well i only travel in the same time since i was born and then, you know, she's asked other questions. Does he have any kids in the future? He's like, afraid not. Do you have a wife? Yeah. Is she pretty? She's very pretty. What's her name? And then he's like, well, funnily enough, her name is Claire. She's like, like me. Because again, she's six years old. Then she's like, what it, was it love at first sight? And he's like, God, I hope not. <laughs> then she's like, do you kiss her? He's like, uh, yeah. And she asks, why? He says, because it's nice and because I love her. So then he says in a little bit, he's going to disappear. You know, there's some more questions, stuff like that. She's like, well, can I watch? And he's like, yeah. He's like, he wants her to take his clothes and put it someplace safe, like under the rock. But if she could put them in a box for him or something like that, it'll be nice and dry. And she's like, so you're coming back? He's like, yeah, lots of times. He's like, I might look 
a different age, but you know it'll it'll be me. Then she's asked if he was like, why don't you take your own clothes with him? And he says he can't because that's the rules. So she's like, who made the rules? He's like, I don't know, but a man. There's a man who told me, and she's like, who? He's like another time traveler, but it was a very long. That's a very long story. So then we see young Henry at a museum. He's seven years old with with his parents, uh, again, at the museum. He had fun days, got like the dinosaur. He also said that he never saw dinosaurs, but he tickled a dinosaur on its stomach or something like that. But it was at the museum. So he's at the, you know, at, at night he, he tells his mom he wants to go back. You know, he had loved the museum. He's lying in bed. Then he disappears. So now he's in the museum and it looks like it's after it closed and then someone like throws a t-shirt at him and tells him to put it on. So the person's like, you travel back in time about three hours. So he tells him in a minute, he's like, he's going to be sick. He's like, there's a garbage can in front of you. And Henry's like, how do you know I'd be sick? Because he just threw up. So now it's 28-year-old Henry. He walks up and says, because he's a time traveler too, he's had a lot of practice. So young Henry thinks this is a dream. But old Henry's like, like, no, it's not. And he, he said it because he's like, do you work here? He's like, no. It's like, I stole these clothes. So young Henry asks, he's like, are there other time travelers? And, you know, when does he meet them? O- older Henry, he kind of seems like he avoids answering that. He like pries open a vending machine, whatever. And he's, they're eating like just junk food because he says he knows he's going to be hungry after traveling. So he's like, today's the day that you're, he's going to start teaching him. So he'll snap back soon. Sometimes it's back home, but sometimes he goes to another time first. So young Henry asks, he's like, well, what do we do? Do we solve crime? And older Henry's like, no. He's like, we run, we steal, we fight. He's like, wherever we show up, we're naked and we're sick. He's like, so we don't get a choice. Young Henry asks if they're the bad guys then. And older Henry's like, well, survivors are always the bad guys. You know, it's, So it's his job to teach him to be the baddest out there. So he'll see him lots of times. Then Henry starts coughing and he has like a scared look on his face and older Henry's like, it's okay, you're going home. And then older Henry coughs after that and he disappears too. Older Henry lands on the tracks. I, I don't know if they're in Chicago, but there's like the L, like the elevated you know train. So he's, he's like, he lands on the track. There's a train coming. It's like blaring its horn. He rolls off. This is where he almost lands on top of a couple in the alley. We saw that at the beginning. The dude is like angry. He's like cursing. Henry pukes whatever he asks he's like what day is it what time is it and you know they're like what and the lady's like it's june 26 and she's like 8 15 p.m and the dude's like shut up talking to him he's naked because he's this big angry bro dude and then henry's like 2008 and she like nah she's like yeah so he's like okay two hours my clothes won't still be here and the dude's like your clothes henry's like i'm gonna need yours he's like you're gonna need what henry's like this is gonna hurt you not me so then he t- he takes some puke or something from the ground. He flings it in his eye, jumps on his back, knees him in the face. He's like punching him, and then, and the lady's just like in shock, just like watching. Then he's like, "What's what's your name?" And she says, "Whatever." He's like, "Did he get you these flowers?" He's like, "He doesn't seem to, the type. He seems kind of like a jerk or whatever." So he's like, "You don't mind, do you?" So he takes the flowers, shows up to meet Claire, and that's where he got the flowers. So he did get the flowers, or he did like scrape his knuckles getting the flowers or whatever. So after dinner, they walk, whatever, and he says they should go to her apartment. It's probably nicer, but, you know, whatever. They go to his place. It's probably closer. So he opens the door, and he's like, oh, it's worse. And he, so he wants her to count to a million, he says. He blinds Folzer with, with his tie. He's trying to clean up a bunch of stuff. And finally, she gets a look, and she's like, 
this is the apartment of a grown man. And he found like a baby tooth or whatever. Cause I guess he says he leaves stuff behind sometimes like hair or sometimes a pool of blood or like a lot of blood. He, so maybe in another time he's been hurt or maybe got a nosebleed. And she says that, you know, she knows it's like one time. And then he stops her. He's like, maybe I'm not supposed to know. So she's like, why are you permanently terrified? You know, he, and he says that, you know, there's always going to be a danger to bleed for everyone or whatever. So he's just happy that it isn't today. And then she's kind of forceful with him and, you know, like kissing him and whatever. And she says that he's been a perfect gentleman for 14 years or whatever. So they start like making out and it's like that. Then you see like the baby tooth because he put in this, this glass, it disappears. So it must have snapped back, I guess. After, after they're lying together, she gets to go to the bathroom and she's like, oh, keep the lights off since you know, he's like, why? She's like, because I'm naked or whatever. He like takes all the lights, starts turning them on and like directing them like towards the door. She comes out in a silk robe that was hanging on the back door that he forgot to put away. And she's also holding up a bra. And she's like, for future reference, the bottom drawer is the first place I would look. And because that's where he like shoved everything, whatever. So she's like, I'm not even going to ask her name. He's like, you know, you, you could have told me that you were seeing someone like, and he's like, well, when would I say that? She's like, well, between the restaurant and the mattress. Then he says that, well, I really wanted to sleep with you. And she's like, oh, you're joking now? And he's like, well, whatever. And he's like, her name's Ingrid. And she's like, she's my girlfriend. She's like, well, bad luck, Ingrid. I'm here now. And he's like, he's like, you know, we just met. And, you know, you, you said you're my future wife. He's like, you know how mad that sounds? And she's like, oh, so you're okay having sex with a crazy woman? And he's like, well, you know, I don't want to limit my options. And she throws like a shoe at him. <laughs> I guess this must be her thing because she threw it when she was young, whatever. But it goes out the window because he like kind of ducked. And then she's, she's just mad. So she's leaving. He's like, well, I do want to see you again, whatever. So then we see six-year-old Claire. She's like, when am I going to see you again? And he's like, soon. He's like six days on September 29th. He's like, bring a notebook and next, you know, next time I'll give you a list of dates. And then he disappears. Then we see him land on top of a car. He ends up getting hit in the head with a shoe. It's Claire's shoe that she threw out because he can hear her yelling from his apartment above what we just saw. He ducks like when she comes out the door and she like kind of looks for her shoe and then up at the window because she's like, it should be here. But the older Henry now has it. And then he calls out to her, but then the other Henry calls out too, and she just calls him an a-hole. And then 36-year-old Henry, he's, he agrees. He's like, you are an a-hole. So she goes to a bar, and then uh, someone comes up to her because you know, she sits at a table, and she's like, no. So Henry, it's Henry, he, he says that he didn't mean any of those things he said to her, except closed caption tells us this is 36-year-old Henry. So he, he said that he ran down after her, but he only stood outside staring at her for like 10 minutes. But she's like, I only just sat down. Then he has her shoe. He puts it like on a table and she looks at him. His hair's shorter and it's like grayer. She looks outside and she sees like young, younger 28 Henry standing out there. So 36 Henry sits and then she looks at him. She's like, I missed you. He's like, uh, you just slept with me. And she's like, no. So she tries to kiss him and he, he's like, you just got yourself a new younger man. He's like, what kind of person would I be? And she's like, well, a man who turned out to be an a-hole. And she's like, is that the big secret that you've been keeping all these years, that you're a secret a-hole? And he says, well, that's kind of every man's secret. So she sees a cut on his forehead, and I guess you know she threw the shoe at him or whatever. She says that, well, I'm not sorry. You know, She grew up waiting for him, longing for him, and 
he's like, I know. She's like, no, you don't. She's like, I formed myself around you, around the idea of you, and then you're an a-hole. And he says, well, here's the thing. You may have formed yourself around me. Shock twist, I formed myself around you. So she says that he didn't want to hear what the other him said or whatever, something like that. And he says, well, he, he said it because, you know, time travel is, is bat poop scary. It's waiting for the next storm to hit, wondering if this time it's going to kill you. He's like, that boy out there, time travel has never done one nice thing for him until today. Today, he gets the winning lottery ticket. So he asks, so why is he, and in 36 says, you know what's worse than being terrified all the time? The future. The future is the scariest thing in the world because suddenly you're all in. No choice. Anyone can stand any type of torture except hope. She asks, why didn't you just say all that? He's like, I, I did. It just took me a while. So then he's like, well, I'm going to leave soon. And she's like, to older me? And he's like, yeah, to my wife. And then he calls, she calls her a biatch. And he's like, sorry? She's like, well, older me gets you. She's like, I get younger you. He's like, who's a, a jerk? And he's like, well, that's not fair. And, you know, 36, like, you know, he's not. She's like, well, he's not you. So, you know, how does he get to be you? Is this even making sense? This is not this is not confusing as I'm saying it. And he's like, well, he's hotter too. And he he tells her what, what drink he has, like I think a whiskey, or whatever, or something like that. And he walks out to talk to 28. He's like, how's Ingrid? And he's like, young, you know, 28's like, well, I'll probably see her tonight since this isn't working. 36 says, you know, a wise man once told me you have two things to do with your time on earth. One, find the love of your life. Two, die as slowly as possible. And I think that's like brilliant. He's like, you did part one tonight. Part two starts now. And he's like, playtime is over. And 28 like shoves him in the chest. He's like, do you ever get bored hearing yourself talk? He's like, I don't know. You tell me. He's like, no more time to waste, Junior. You've seen the blood. You know something's coming. And he's like, yeah, but not today. Then 36 coughs a little bit. He's like, ah, time for you to flip off then. And then 36 is like, get a haircut. Whoosh. He disappears. Then 36 lands in the living room. He looks around, goes upstairs, Claire sleeping in the bed. He gets in next to her. So Claire now is 28. But she's like half awake. She's like, where were you? And then she sees his head and she's like, oh, sorry, I threw my shoe at you. And he's like, yeah, it's about time. Because, you know, they already knew this was going to happen. So 20-year-old Claire sitting at the bar or in the bar. 28 kind of hears a whooshing sound. He's still outside. Then he looks in the alley. He calls out. He's like, Henry? So he goes out in the alley, and then he kneels down by something. So he sees something there. Older um, narrating Claire talks about women, how women used to wait for the men at sea, on the shore, waiting for them to return. She's like, now I wait for Henry. And 28's um, in the alley. He's like, not today. Not today. Older Henry says that he hates to be where she is not, and yet he's always going and she can't follow. Claire asks, you know, why does he always go where she can't follow? And then we see older Henry disappeared. And then 20-year-old Claire, she's in the bar. 28, Henry stands up, walks to the bar. And as he's walking, you know, out of the, in the alley, the camera pans down. We see two cut-off feet on the ground. One has a birthmark of a strawberry that looks like he squished it. So it's like, um, why are his feet there? <laughs> Nothing else. And what does that mean? Because, you know, we, we saw he lost a baby tooth, but then it snapped back. So it must have gone back in his mouth, maybe. So if he left his feet behind, does that mean that he traveled somewhere 
and doesn't have his feet? Is that where all the blood came from? Is it just gushing out blood? And then will the feet snap back in place? Does he have to stand or he can't stand? Does he have to sit perfectly still or will it just automatically snap onto his body wherever he might be? I was just like, holy crap, that's nasty. Yeah, I remember like big snippets from the book. I like I know stuff that should be happening in a show, but it's kind of interesting to see like will it be the same or not. So it was it was good stuff, man. I, I I just really liked it. Yeah, it's a love story, but it's just like a love story with a huge crazy twist to it. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how the rest of it plays out. Even though I you know it's it's been so long, but the the book was just good. So it, I would I recommend the book too. So more next week. Okay, then Made for Love episode. So we got 207, 208, 207, Under Open Sky. So these are the last two episodes. So they have a lot to tie, a lot of loose ends to tie up. It starts off VR Hazel and Herb. So they're in, in the swimming pool. But strangely, Herbert's hair looks like it's completely dry. And he's like, oh, yeah, it did feel good. Okay, whatever. Um, he's worried that Byron's going to like jump out at them because he's like not around. But she's like, oh, you don't have to worry about Byron. And he's like, don't take it the wrong way. He's like, you know, I'm not happy that Byron shoved you in a computer. But since you've been back, you've seen better. You're like, you're at peace or something. He's like, it's not because you killed him, is it? Then he's like, oh, no, 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 don't, don't tell me. You know, it protects both of us if I don't know. So the real Hazel wakes up like lying in the grass and she's still wearing her blue outfit like what she was wearing when she got drugged by VR Hazel. She looks around, there's like trees nearby, there's a hammock, and then she like sees something. But then it cuts to VR Hazel says that she's she's talking to her dad still. She's sorry for tricking him into you know taking him back to the hub. And she's like, can you forgive me? And he's like, I've already forgiven you. And she's like, I love you, dad. And he's like, yeah, me too. So he's got to know that this isn't right, you know, because she would never say that. You know, obviously she does care about him, but I don't know. He's got to clearly see the difference. But then like real Hazel, so she saw them. She, you know, they're inside the like the, the kitchen, living room, whatever. She's like outside at the window. She's like, it's like knocking on the window. She's like, dad, dad. But they can't hear her. She's like, that's not me. But she's not really there, I guess, which I don't know why she's seeing it like that. Like, whatever. So VR Hazel's making dinner. Herb was was out for a while, and he's like, "Oh, are we having company or something?" She's like, "No, it's just us." She's like, "I just want to make something nice." She's like, "I made mom's recipe. I think it's like chili or something like that." And he's he's like, "I thought we we couldn't do it. We tried making it. She never wrote it down." And she's like, "Oh, I used a, a, the Byron phone to ask her." And then he's he's like, "Wait, what'd you do to your hair?" She's like, "I never seen you wear it like that because it's kind of kind of like a braid pull, like it's down, but it's like there's part pulled back, whatever." And she's like, "I don't know. I just thought I'd try something new." So they have dinner, then they play cards after dinner, and then they both brush their teeth together, and then we see like another, you know. So there's just a lot of spending a lot of time together. Then VR Byron is sitting by the pool. VR Hazel, they're, they're into real bodies, brings him coffee and gives him a kiss. And she says she can't believe how good this all feels. And he agrees. He's like, yeah, you know, it was a good idea to come out here. She, she, she thanks him for letting her spend so much time with her dad. They'll have to figure out a way to reintroduce him. You know, they could say that he underwent some sort of psychological rehabilitation or something like that. But she's like, you know, don't worry. It's like, you know, Herb will like you. And Byron's like, does he suspect anything? And she's like, no. And she's like, I think he's happy. And she says that 
you know, she's been going through Hazel's memories from before. And they were just like always fighting and they're not anymore. Then Byron thinks that they should do some FaceTime with the employees. So they go start walking through the hall saying hi to people. Um, he gets like pulled aside and then Jasper comes up to her and she's like, hey, Jay. But even though he's going by Jasper here and he's like, oh, good morning, Mrs. Gogol, whatever. She's like, how's your trip to D.C.? And she's like, great. Thanks for asking. And she's almost like a robot the way she's talking. Then he gets close and, you know, he kind of watches. She's like, what's going on? Does he know? And she mimics. She's like, what are you talking about? You know, she kind of says that the way he says. But then Byron comes up. She's like, yeah, what are you saying? He's like, oh, you know, good work, you know, Jasper. And he's like, goodbye. So Jasper talks to Zelda. He's like, something's off with Hazel. And, and he talks about wanting to go back through the tunnels, you know, try to find a way out or whatever. VR Hazel goes to the trailer. She's wearing a suit. Herb's like in the bathroom puking. And um, he's like, oh, I'm fine. He's like, oh, you look really sharp. And he's like, I think, you know, stopping the treatments is catching up with me. So she's going to go tell someone. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, you know, I want to talk to you. He's like, this might be difficult for you to understand, but I never intended to get to this part of life. You know, she, then she showed up on his doorstep out of the blue and she really needed him. So, but then, you know, she brought him here and he told himself, okay, you know, change plans. So he's got to hang out, whatever. But he's like, but the last few days, you know, he's like, look at her. You know, she seems good. So now he thinks he can, he can finally stop, hang, you know, hanging on. So she's like, but you're not taking your treatment. And he's like, he says, but look at what Byron did to her. You know, she says that their time together is just starting. He's like, sorry, but you know, I just want to go out while I'm on top. He's like, not when I I hit bottom like mom. And then she's like, I can't imagine anything worse than losing you except maybe forcing you to stay, you know, if you don't want to. So he's like, you know, I just want to do it under an open sky, you know, not fake, you know, the, the fake hub feeling. And she's like, well, how about one more camping trip together? Then we see a herringbone and Tiffany, you know, they get some water and then there's like a lake nearby and there's like some bubbling. And she's like, uh, for herringbone, are there any predators here? And then Jasper pops up in a scuba outfit. And he's like, oh, you up for a swim? So Herb's in a bedroom with Diane Hazel comes in and says that the truck's all packed and Herb's like, oh, but Diane's going to stay. Then he's like, I'll meet you outside. And then he like sits next to Diane. He says goodbye. He talks about, it's like, oh, when we first met, all this stuff like that. He's like, I never felt alone when I was with you. He's like, thank you for, for putting up with me. And he kisses her and he's like sitting there and he like gives her another kiss. And he really cares about Diane. And it's, it's weird, but he's like, he's, that was what he needed. You know, he said he never felt alone. So, you know, that's all that matters. Jasper enters his room. Holo, a hologram, Paula Dula tries talking to him. And, you know, she's like, where were you? Whatever. And he just like covers her up. He turns on a hairdryer like nearby. And then Tiffany and Herringbone comes in. He gives them some clothes. And then they leave or whatever because, you know, he's going to meet up with them. Paula's like, why were Herringbone and Tiffany in here? And she's like, you can't just cover me up. She's like, my eyes and ears don't work that way. She's like, you know, I'm supposed to be your plus one. You know, I'm supposed to, and he's like, you're supposed to give me anything I need. He's like, well, I need you to trust me. And she's like, I don't know what to do. It's like, my algorithm isn't equipped for this. Hazel and Herb head out in the truck. They go get to like the security part. And she's like, I'm going for a drive. He's like, okay, Mrs. Gogol. And she's like, actually, you can call me Ms. Green. And then, uh, Real Hazel's like start to run after them, even though she's not really there. But so I guess she can follow in the real world, but it's not like she's attached to them. So she's going to have to run after him. We see Byron in the hammock. Bennett's like, oh, you know, you're supposed to be in a meeting. 
And Byron's like, we've hired smart people, right? Like the smartest? He's like, they can handle it. He's like, then he's like, do you want to look at the clouds with me? And Bennett's like, in the hammock? He's like, yeah. So he lays next to him and he, you know, he's all happy and everything to be just be by him. And Byron's like, where'd you come from? And Bennett's like, well, our, our pastor was supposed to be irrelevant once we came to the hub. So he said that where he was from, I, I don't remember if it was Pennsylvania or something like that. And it turns out he was Amish. And, you know, so he's like, oh, your perspective on, you know, technology could, you know, be interesting or whatever. He's like, okay, that's, that's enough. And then he gives Bennett a hug and says that they're lucky to have him. And Bennett's just like, he's confused. Uh, Hazel and ben and Herbert drive out to the middle of like the desert, like mountains. And he's like, "Oh, this is a great view." And Herbert's like, "Not a bad place to die." And so she's like, "Okay, are you sure about this?" And he's like, "Yeah." And there's like this big like kind of canyon and stuff like that. She's like, "Do you want me to push you to the edge or something?" And he's like, ha, ha, ha. He's like, "Just just get the chairs." Jasper talks to Zelda. He wanted to say goodbye. She wants him to take care of Fiffany to make sure she acclimates to life outside the hub because, you know, she's been in there so long. She acts tough, but she isn't. And he's like, well, you know, I'll get you out too so you can go to the ocean. And Zelda's like, you know, I used to want that, but not anymore. And he's like, since you're leaving, I can go ahead and say what's, you know, what I want to. She's like, I'm in love with you. And she's like, don't say anything, just go. So he turns around her thing and then like Fiffany's like there. So as he leaves and she puts on an earpiece to talk to zelda herringbone breaks into his room and I, I think it's where he used to stay but there's like a bunch of byron stuff in there so yeah i wasn't sure if that was his place or not i think it's bennett's place now bennett is looking for dr howe this other dude's like oh she's not here and he's like oh but where is she he's like she's not here she's in a solitary room she lost it she was saying stuff about like hazel being in her body and then he finds out where she, you know she's staying in this one like locked up or somewhere so he goes to her and she's like that's not hazel or byron he, and he's like can you fix what happened and then the other dude comes in and just like injects like knocks her out and i i don't know did he think she was attacking him or was why, what was that about herbert and the other hazel are sitting in like lawn chairs drinking beer he's got like an iv like attached to his arm and she asks she's like what should i do with diane He's like, we've decided that she should go to, to Bennett. You know, he'd probably take care of her. Uh, and then, you know, he looks over at her. He's like, I still see that little kid. He's like, God, oh, you're annoying. You know, Dad, I'm bored. What should I do? Um, he's like, I, I loved you so much. It, it hurt. It still does. Herringbone is still looking for his book. You know, so that's why the book that his wife left him. So that's what he's he, why he wanted to go back there. Um, so then the Fiffany and Jasper come up. So he, he says the book was uh, Namasake and Tiffany's like that's the namesake he's like no it's not whatever Tiffany's like it's a pretty popular book by so whatever like that she's like it's about the struggles of immigration and she's like you know all of the her friends and family were in India and the, the main he's like well the main character is, is the main character's name is Gogol so I thought it was a sign to come work here and she's just like kind of shakes her head then Bennett comes in he's like oh I'm glad you're here and they're, they're like ready they're ready to attack him or whatever like that he's like who do you think was keeping you alive in a pasture he's like you know i could use your help he's like byron and hazel aren't who they say they are and 50s like sees you know they, they go to the lab or whatever so she sees that the memories are uploaded into him and she's like well eventually you know she thinks the real ones would just fade bennett uh says that when byron hugged him or yeah when byron hugged him that's when he knew it wasn't him then Herringbone's like, oh, whatever. He's like, this is not my problem. Not, you know, we should just leave. Fifty asks Bennett if Hazel knew that they were in a pasture coop, 
And he's like, she didn't even know that there was one. So Fifty's like, we can't leave until we fix this. Herb and Hazel are still sitting. He says that he th- he's like, I think I'm ready. So she gets up, she goes to the IV, and she like flips a little switch on there. And he says that you know his life has been far from perfect, but this moment is pretty close. He thanks her for doing this with him. He's like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll see you someday. You know, mom and I will be waiting for you. He's like, just don't come anytime soon. He's like, and he's like, trust your instinct. You have a good, you know, head on your shoulders. And he's like, I love you, Hazel. And uh, if you've ever heard, Kristen Mil- Milioti did a cover of Seven Fifteen Creeks. It's a Bon Iver song. She's got an amazing voice, and just the way it's it's an amazing song. But her version of it is just so powerful, and uh, it's it's just it's like perfect for this. It's just it's like haunting to capture this moment. So she holds his hand, but then like her other hands like starts shaking. And, you know, she has tears and it's almost like, is her other hand trying to choke herself or something like that? So she has to like fight the hand down and then, then she, um, you know, takes Herb's hand again, whatever like that. And then later you see her by the truck, you know, on the cell phone. She's like, you can come get him now. Real Hazel finally runs up, catches up to him. She's like across the chasm and she sees them and she screams out, dad. But, but dude, she's too late. So her dad is dead, and she missed it. And end the episode. <laughs> episode 208, the last episode of the season, of the series? Don't know. Hazel versus Hazel. Hazel is walking in that green dress from her first date, whatever, and she has, like, the red hoodie. She's, like, walking through the desert. There's, like, random things around, like, different pieces, like, from her memory, whatever, like, stuck in the, in the, the sand and stuff, or in the desert, whatever. She finally comes up to this door. She opens it, and it like leads to Dad's trailer. On a TV, see, she sees uh, other Hazel in her body saying hi to people at the hub. And she's like, who the hell she thinks she is? And Herbert's like, you, but upgraded. So he's sitting on a couch. So it's like a, a memory of him or something like that. She's like, is it really you? He's like, yeah, kind of. He's like, I'm in your brain right now. And Hazel's like, she took my body. And he's like, oh, it's confusing. You know, she said it was hers. You know, she was pretty convincing for the most part, except she was con- consistently delightful. You know, it's you know not quite your personality, but you know, I wanted to believe. She's like, how does uh, you know, how does she get back into her her body? And he's like, uh, the first step you just have to find her. You know, she's you gotta overthrow her somehow. You know, because she's like, you know, only one of them can live in the real world. And he's like, well, you know, the other Hazel might have a stronger case. And she's like, are you kidding me? She's like, whose side are you on? He's like, oh, I'm on your side. But if that's really, you know, if that's you too, then I'm on her side too, right? But one of the things that bothers me is, you know, as we see like the the outside, the view from the TV, it's like the camera's right in front of her face. But it's almost like we should be seeing things from her eyes, from her perspective. But I guess it's just whatever, you know, just just ignore that. Just go with it. So Hazel says that she's going to find her. She's going to take her down. And Herbert's like, it was like, oh, I'll go too because uh, you won't know where where to go. So then he's like, oh, you should probably bring a flashlight too because, you know, your your mind, your brain could get kind of dark or whatever. So they start walking and she asks, she's like, what are we supposed to just walk around aimlessly? And he says that, you know, she will, you know, she has a lot of emotional barriers holding her back. So she's just kind of got to sort things out. And he's like, you know, your copy seems to have it more together than you do. Maybe she should just let her take over. He's like, you'd still get the credit for things. Herbert's body is back at the hub, uh, like in this like pod. Jasper, Bennett, Fifty, and Herringbone see it in there. And Jasper's like, she killed Herbert? 
And 50 is like, not technically. 50 says that, you know, these are Gogol Infinity Capsules. They were created to be used until a better universe has been created for them. So she says it, it's kind of like what they all signed up for to, to work there. 50 is like, you know, they have to stop the others because, you know, who knows what they have planned. So who knows what Hazel and Bryron are going to do. In Hazel's mind, doorways start appearing and Herbert in her mind says to stay away from them because they're doorways to what ifs. And he tells a story about his friend going skinny dipping and seeing this one girl's breasts and he said it changed his life. And he's like, you know, so now, you know, I didn't go then, but you know, would it have changed my life and, you know, whatever like that. And then there's this one door open and it's like, like basically what if her mom had lived? We see, you know, Hazel graduating college and stuff like that. Then she sees other Hazel and starts chasing after her. So somehow she's in her mind too, I guess. I don't know, maybe remnants of her. But in the real world, other Hazel tries talking to Zelda and she's like, oh, you haven't been up to the pool lately. And then Zelda sees Epiphany uh, and Herringbone and then like keeps talking to, maybe she's trying to distract her. She turns around and she sees him. Herringbone's like, oh, it's been too long. Give old H-Bone a hug. And they hug and then he injects her with a, a syringe and immediately knocks her out. And 50's like, H-Bone? She's like, no one calls you that. He's like, yet. Bennett and Jasper go after Byron. Uh, Bennett is hesitant to har harm him, but Jasper's like, that man's not not Byron. So Bennett's supposed to go up to him and inject him with the to knock him out. Hazel sees a memory of mom and dad arguing while mom's like dying in hospital. She's like, you have to take care of Hazel now, whatever. And and he's like, Herbert, the Herbert with her is just like, oh, that's just a distraction, you know. You know, we should, you know, get going, whatever. And then they, they see her again. Because Hazel's like, but she didn't have to, you know, live through all this stuff. She didn't have to see this stuff. And, you know, and she just gets to be out there. And Bennett, um, then he runs out of the house. And Jasper's like, that was fast. He's like, I couldn't do it. I told him to run. Then Byron runs out, like, screaming. So Jasper goes after him, like, kind of tackles him, gets him on the ground or whatever. Then we see Hazel is, she's knocked out. Herringbone says that, She's like, oh, this one seems more at peace, you know, and less annoying. Fifty says that she's like, I can't believe Byron did this. And Fifty and Bennett go in the other room because they look at medication, or whatever. Bennett's blabbing on and on about like how how everything happened. She's like, you know, what would it have been like if Hazel never escaped the hub and everything like that? And you know, Herringbone wouldn't have gone after her, and then would have never sold Fifty out to Byron. And then she's listening. She's like, what? Because she doesn't know who sold her out. Because, you know, uh, Herringbone, he's like, well, maybe it was was uh, Bennett. So she had no idea that it was really Herringbone that betrayed her. Somehow, this part was weird. Hazel and Herb, they come across a memory of Jasper and the other FBI agents. They're kind of like doing locker room talk, like about what, what did Jasper do, you know, whatever. And... How are they seeing that? How is Jasper not even a real... I don't even understand that. Maybe she wonders if that's what he would do. So then there's this other door with like kind of like a little red carpet leading up to it. And then it leads to the Gogol hallways. So other Hazel, like you can see, she goes in there. There's like this big screen. She addresses everyone. We are entering a new frontier of collaboration and innovation. And I am so excited to be a part of this journey with you. So give yourselves a round of applause. People start clapping. Hazel's like, she doesn't deserve this. She's like, I was trapped in here for 10 years. And then she's like, I should be up on a wall talking to everyone, not her. 
So they go through another door. He's like, he, Herbert's like, oh, this must be the way out. And uh, it's the basically that, that first virtual living room area, the, like the white room. Hazel's like, what's this? And she sees like the, the picture of other Hazel and other Byron like standing side by side before they could like touch each other. And, and then she like picks it up and she slams it down. And then Byron shows up. He's like, this is where our copies lived before they took over our bodies. And he says that, you know, she must be accessing other Hazel's subconsciousness. And she's like, that the copy that you made flipping murdered my dad. And then memory herbs, he just like nods his head and he's like, can't use me for leverage anymore. And he says that, you know, Byron's like, I never meant for this to happen. He says that he told Dr. Howe to destroy the chips. He's like, that's the truth. He's like, other Hazel knows that that's the truth. And she just like stares at him. And she's like, she's like, who the fudge is Alice? And he's like, why would you ask me that? And she's like, you're hiding something. And she's like, I don't know what it is yet. And then like, there's like a big mirror, like, you know, whatever. And other Hazel like appears in the mirror. So Hazel's body is kind of convulsing. They have her like in a, in a med room. Tiffany tells Jasper's like, try to hold her still. It's like, you know, we can't do this if she's not, you know, still whatever. And then Fifteen's like, she loves you. Do you love her? And he's like, oh, he's like, I like Hazel and I'm here for her, but I'm just here on a mission. And Fifteen's like, no, not Hazel, Zelda. He's kind of speechless. And then he's like, uh, I don't know how to answer that. She's like, honestly. Then Hazel starts convulsing some more. And then, uh, she's like the other consciousness is like rooting about so she can't do anything until it's stabilized then herringbone whispers to fifty he's like what's your plan for byron he's like because either way i think we should just not bring him back and then he's like you know you can do it exactly how you know you've always wanted to and plus he's like i'm by your side so but she's like she knows that she can't trust him so hazel follows other hazel she goes through like the reflection in the mirror somehow Herbert follows to, and they say, you know, it looks kind of like a fun house. There's just like a bunch of mirrors there. And then Hazel and Herbert somehow get separated. And she's like, she's like, where'd he go? Other Hazel's like, he's done here. This is between you and me. More convulsing. Jasper's like, you know, what's what's happening? Then Fifty's like, we're losing her, both of her. Hazel says that, you know, real Hazel's like, he wasn't done. You killed him. Other Hazel says that, she listened she gave him what he needed and she never would have been able to do that you know real hazel would have never been able to do that so she only thinks about what she needs and then she pounds on a mirror real hazel like give me my body back the other says it's my body now she says i am you except without all the flipping baggage and then she's like me and byron are in love and we're gonna do great things and then she kind of like flickers out so then she screams, real Hazel's like, where are you? She screams it and like the glass shatters. So there's like broken shards like all around her. And then there's a, another door that opens like behind her. And she she dives as other Hazel tries going through it. So they both like roll down this big like sand dune. Other Hazel's like, just stop. You're never going to win. Hazel gets up and like kind of, jumps on top of her and she like punches her once more rolling gives her a knee to the gut the other makes her fall on her back you know kind of does this like arm flip thing whatever this other door opens and it's the 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 med room so they both go there hazel you know they go go towards it they don't reach it yet hazel like throws sand in her face the other grabs her and punches her in the gut and then she's like choking her and she's like 
she's like, I'm sorry, but I just want us both to be happy. And we both know that I am our best chance and that I'll live a wonderful life for both of us. And, and then real Hazel's like, you're right. You'll do a better job than I could. So other Hazel releases her grip, helps her up, walks her to the door, and she looks back. She's like, I'm proud of you. You're finally making a good choice. And then, shink! Real Hazel stabbed other Hazel in the back with a broken piece of mirror. And in the real world, Hazel's gasps and like, sits up. And Tiffany hugs her. She's like, you're safe. You're okay. We've got you. So at the house, at Herb's place, Hazel's like lying with her head in Diane's lap. Tiffany comes up to her and checks to see if she's okay. Hazel's like, she said that Byron said that she quit. And she's like, well, I did. Then Byron imprisoned me in Herringbone in a psychological wilderness cube. And Hazel's like, yeah, he's evil. And she's like, he's the reason my father's dead. Fifty's like, you know, we can reverse that, actually. Dr. Howe put a chip in his brain prior to the treatment. And, you know, we have his consciousness. Also, we haven't brought Byron back yet. And Hazel's like, good, I want him to die. Fifty's like, you know, before you make a decision, there's something that I need to tell you. It's very early, but scans of your body during extraction show that you're pregnant. So there's silence. Then Hazel's like, I'm pregnant. Fifty says that their next moves are very important. She could walk away, leave all this behind her, or she could stay and change things. There's an opportunity here to accomplish so much more at the hub. Hazel uh, then uh, changes her clothes, and then she asks, you know, so like you know, there's narration. She's like, "You want me to take over the hub?" And Fifteen's like, "You wouldn't have to do it alone." She's like, "I'll be here, you know, for you. You just, you know, just think about all that we could do with Gogol's resources, resources at our disposal, and without Byron in control." Herringbone and Fifteen go to Byron's office, and he's like, "Oh, why are we here? Grab stuff for the FBI?" And she's like, "Yeah, something like that." Then, as our, you know, they walk in, she's like, "Oh, I forgot something. I'll be right back." He turns around and. He doesn't see it, but behind his back, there's a, a door to like the pasture cube opens up. So this is like what happened for how Byron would trick them. And then he's like, hold on. He's like, uh, she's like, I'll, I'll be right back. And he's like, stop. And she's like, what? He's like, this can't wait another second. It's killing me inside. Something that you deserve to know. She's like, what's that? He's like, I, I'm the double crossing snake who sold you out to Byron. He's like, I'm the reason he sold, he sent you to the, the pasture cube. He's like, I'd never do anything like that again. Not after what we've been through together. It was us against the world and I'll treasure it forever. He's like, I'm sorry. And 50 looks at him and she's like, okay, I forgive you. And then he's like, are you okay? And she's like, let's just go. So she's trying to get him out. And then he like looks behind and he sees a passenger doorway. He's like, no, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He like gets on his knees and like grabs her. He's like holding her. He's like, I'm sorry. And she's just like, oh, get up. And she's like, I'll just have to figure out a different way to punish you. So Jasper's sitting in his room. Virtual holo Paul Abdul is, she's like, you're not going to say anything? She's like, I covered for you and didn't alert the authorities? I'm forever your girl. I stepped out of my algorithm. Then Hazel comes in. He's like, oh, I'm happy you're okay. And Paul is just like looking. You can see that, that she's not happy that Hazel there. Hazel's like, the FBI aren't coming. Like Byron found your tracker or maybe I lost it. And he's he's like, okay, that's fine. He's like, we can still leave together. And he's like, you're safe now. And she's like, don't do that. Don't act like you're rescuing me. Your time here is over. 
Now, I'm going to spare you because you found Fiffany, but you're going to take this, and she's holding out like her hand, there's like a pill. She's like, and you're going to go home. And she's like, and if you ever do anything to jeopardize me or to Hub, I'm going to make sure you're brought back here with no escape. And he like sternly asks, she's like, why are you protecting Byron? She's like, did I say Byron? And she says that he went the extra mile for his job. Now she's going the extra mile for hers. So then that big dude that likes to charge her, like when he went to get uh, bangles and whatever, he, he comes in to take him back to the outside. So Jasper just like kind of angrily grabs a pill and she's like, would you like some water to swallow that down? Then it cuts to six months later. She's pregnant. You can see, you know, she's got it. You know, she's showing. She uh, stands in front of like Herb's frozen body. And then later we see her, you know, Byron's lying, you know, sitting in bed reading or something like that. She's like, I thought I told you not to wait up. He's like, oh, I wanted to. And he's like, how was your day? And she's like, that's none of your business, is it? So he's reading, it's like some how-to, it's like a pregnant book or like that. He's like, this is an amazing book. And she's like, you're going to make a great dad. And then he's like, thank you. And then his eye twitches a little bit. And then there's a close-up. You see real Byron in there like screaming. Fade to black. Is that the end of the series? Or is that just the end of the, of the, of the season? Uh, we don't know. Just like the first season, it, that could have been the end of it. You know, They could have ended it right there. So we still don't know like what's the deal with Alice. I mean, maybe there's not much to say. Maybe Byron was just controlling and everything like that. And she lost her mind and then, you know, she tried to leave or whatever. And she was whatever. We don't know. And then there's the fact that Hazel's pregnant. Who is she pregnant with? You know, we know when they actually, when they were at Byron's place, they didn't necessarily sleep together. But when other hazel and other byron were out in the real world they were obviously intimate with each other so it could be from that or she did sleep with jasper that one time so you know that there, there could be that so obviously if they do another season you know they, they have the pregnancy the paternity issue maybe it is just byron's maybe it's not even an issue and then there's the stuff with alice and you know judith is still what she wants to know she she's gonna be looking for herb you know are, are is hazel gonna say that he's dead or are they because he's not dead she could still is she gonna bring him back and would he want to come back would he be upset would he be mad because he was ready to go so there's there's a, there's more that they can do you know they, they could definitely do another season i i I'm, i don't know or maybe this will be it so i wasn't super crazy about this i wasn't i didn't love this season as much as the first season i really enjoyed the first season but with all the 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 other hazel that stuff just seemed i don't know it seemed kind of weird there's some interesting things as you know when they went to like byron's childhood home and you know like what's going on what's the secrets you know we're, we're finding out more and then i don't know it just seemed seemed a little weird so i i would like there to be another season you know because I, you know, seeing Kristen Milioti and Ray Romano, you know, they, it's everyone. They've, they've done a good job, a good job. So I would like to see more, but it doesn't seem like a huge necessity. I don't know. I hope there is, but if there's not, okay, that's fine. But we'll see. And now it is time for the one and only, there was going to be two, as I mentioned earlier, only, only movie feature of the week. 
Chippendale Rescue Rangers. So this is a uh, this what I didn't know what really what to expect out of this. Uh, the trailer I was when I first saw the trailer I was like okay yeah I want to see this and that's why you know when I I was like this is gonna be the movie feature okay but then I was like maybe I'm gonna see men okay there'll be two movie features which is gonna be the main feature I think Chip and Dale has more name recognition than a movie called Men even if I did it was a twenty four you know whatever so I I enjoyed the movie uh, apparently currently on Rotten Tomatoes it's at eighty percent. And it's an 84% uh, audience score. So with the the series, so full disclosure, I'll admit I wasn't necessarily a, a Rescue Rangers fan. And it, it's not that I had anything against them. I always kind of like Chippendale and like the old cartoons, you know, Chippendale versus Donald Duck or whatever. It's just that when the show was out, I wasn't really watching like afternoon cartoons at the time. You know, the show was out, like, it was like 89, 90. Yeah, so I, it was a busy time in my life, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So with this one, this, I don't have that, like, nostalgia connection to to it. You know, I, I must have seen at least some of the episodes before because, you know, I have a general idea of what it was about and, and everything. When this movie came out, I was like, oh, yeah, I got to see this or whatever. But... Having watched it, I, I that the trailer. I mean, I was immediately. I thought, okay, this is a great premise. So it's set like in the sort of real world, and it's you know whatever thirty years after the the series, and things have you know things have have happened between them. You know, they're they're kind of they've gone their separate ways, and we kind of see how that happened. Like what 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 caused the fallout the show got canceled for whatever reasons and it's, it's kind of mentioned here in the real world you know there's there's been like no no contact between between the two of them i don't know how much i should spoil or whatever but one of the things that you do obviously is obvious from the trailer is dale got cgi cosmetic surgery and he is now cg while Chip is still 2D. So that's the other thing, you know, and the, these are you, so you, it's kind of like, obviously like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, you know, you have cartoons with real people, but now you have real people, animated people, characters, and CG characters. What is amazing about this, this movie, there are some crazy, crazy cameos in here, like licensing things. So, I'm like, of course, my my big question is, how did they make this happen? And one of the things the director, um, Akiva Schaefer, said, uh, I saw this on, on uh, Polygon. I don't know if it was an interview with them or they picked it up from somewhere. But he was saying how it, getting like all these different licensing cameos it was like a process he's he said you don't usually come out of a movie you want to thank the lawyers but we generally owe the disney lawyers for being team players and it's just it's kind of crazy i like i don't want to spoil the things but i i will say there is one character that makes a little cameo from dc comics which just seems like that right there. The fact that DC must have approved this, even though it's not Marvel, it's Disney, it's a separate thing. But still, um, there's just like other characters. There's um, 
the big one that a lot of people are like going gaga over and the director says was his, his favorite cameo. I don't want to spoil that. I don't think it's in the trailer. I'm pretty sure it's not in the trailer. But there is this uh, quote-unquote ugly someone and and the, the character is called Ugly Blank. It's 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 hilarious, which is why I don't want to spoil it. Um, it's not. I just wouldn't expect to see it. But as I'm watching this, I'm like, how the heck? Wh- how is that character there? And it's it's not just a cameo because you know some of the things that you see, it's just like in the background or whatever. Like I think there might be like a My Little Pony. I don't remember if there was. That's something that was mentioned in this Polygon thing. But I'm just like that. That has that company. That character has nothing to do with Marvel or Disney or Star Wars. It's like, how did, how did they make that happen? And the fact that it's, it's not just a, a, a passing cameo that this character's ugly character actually even talks, has lines and appears more than once. I was like, what the heck is going on now? I wouldn't necessarily say that that, that cameo is like, the best thing about the movie that makes or that makes it you know, whatever i feel i almost feel like some people are gonna be like like oh that was so hilarious and and it was funny but i don't yeah i i mean i don't think that that was like that the 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 epic comedy gold best part of the whole movie i also saw this other like one line like header in a review and i'm like I I I thought it was such a guy. I don't I don't want to call out this the website, but I saw it. I'm like, because I'm saying I, this is why I don't read reviews, and even though I spent so much time writing reviews, but you know reviews are just people's opinions. Just like this whole show is my opinion, but I would not say like. If if I'm gonna say something, yeah, I'm gonna say this is my opinion. I'm not gonna say something like it's definitive fact, like that that this is the best thing, you know, whatever. And because you know, some people might not like. Some people might like the the animated series, but I don't think you should be comparing this movie and the animated series because they're completely different. It's not like this is, uh, you know, Rescue Rangers episode three point five or something like that. It's taking the characters and whatever. But it's also taking it to a different place. So it's not quite the same. But anyways, so yeah, we get lots of cameos. And there's basically a mystery. There are some villains involved, which if you've seen the trailer, one of the trailers, and I, I don't remember if I mentioned it uh, last week or the week before, where one of the trailers show us, shows us who like the villain is, because they announced like, who voiced the, the character. And the funny thing is, even though I saw that spoiler, as the movie's is going along and they, they kind of mention the, the villain, the bad guy, like the, 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 his first name, I totally forgot. And then you put it together. Then I'm like, Oh yeah, duh. So that, that was, uh, that was funny. That, so there's just a lot of, lot of funny things. Basically there's like bootlegging going on. So they talk about this whole thing. There are a lot of movies that are like fake, fake Disney or, or fake, you know, whatever you know, fake Shrek or fake this or that. And it, it's just, it's so, so crazy. I worked uh, for a period, small period of time at like Toys R Us. And, you know, I worked in the video game department, but then I also dealt with like the movies, when like the videos when, when they would come in. And there's so many times I'd be, I was like, what are these? This is, these are just complete 
knockoffs of like the real things that they somehow crank these out to have them come out when like the real movie hits theaters. So parents might be like, oh, this is what everyone wants to see. And then it's a complete like horrible rendition of it or something like that. So there's an aspect where characters are kidnapped and then bootlegged, bootlegged, bootlegged. There's a lot of, a lot of good moments. And, you know, of course is like our Ken Chippendale work together, you know, can they stand each other, you know, cause there's whatever's his tension, why is there tension and everything like that. It's just, it's amazing. And there's even, I'll say, okay, there's one cameo I'll mention. There's, there's a, reference to Alvin and Chipmunks, even though Chip and Dale are it's like, wait, what? And the fact that Alvin and Chipmunks were they don't really mention touch on this, but the fact that Alvin and Chipmunks were CG and Dale is CG and there's there's a lot of a lot of good moments with this. And as like I said, even though I wasn't like the biggest most ex, you know extravagant Rescue Rangers fan of all time I totally enjoyed this movie and could fully embrace it and what like I would be willing to watch this again like sooner rather than later because it was just it was an enjoyable movie and I I would welcome the chance like someone's like oh I feel like what I'd be like yeah let's watch it it's 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 good stuff and um the you know, some parts are like oh, not necessarily a little cliche but it's just it's it's fine and uh it, it I, I would I would applaud it. I, I did enjoy this. This was just it was such a fun movie. And I feel like it wasn't I wouldn't necessarily it's edgy, but just the fact that with the cameos and with it's you know, they're they're not necessarily making fun of anything, but it's it's almost like kind of making fun of the whole how like Hollywood or the industry could be. But it's not again not poking fun at anyone in particular. <laughs> Although there is there is a little moment spoiler with He Man super super brief thing. <laughs> he kind of t- uh, it was kind of funny and just uh, other little things. So you should definitely watch it. So if you have Disney Plus and if you're waiting for Obi Wan to start, watch Rescue Rangers or even after Obi Wan starts, you should watch it. It's good. It's it's probably appropriate for little kids too. They might not be able to appreciate it as much. They might not get all the cameos, but they might see recognize some of them and and be you know aware that there's something going on. So it, it's good stuff. I definitely recommend it. I'm glad it's out in Disney Plus and glad I got to watch. Because if this was in theaters, I might not. I might be like, oh, this is just a kids movie, and I, I don't have a little kid to to go see this movie. So I'm glad it was on Disney Plus. I got to watch it, and you should too. I don't know if there's any really anything else to say. Um, would would I like a sequel? I don't know how a sequel would work. I mean, obviously they they could do one. Um, <laughs> Seth Rogen's character was was funny. There's just a lot to like here. You know, J.K. Simmons was, was had a role. Um, yeah. I, you should just watch the movie. Okay, you'll you'll enjoy it. I'm just I'm just repeating myself now, right? So with that, this has been a long enough episode, I think. So thank you for listening, and thank you to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are they're they're help making sure this this show g- goes on. You know, I got I got my another I got my website renewal coming up. I was like, wait, didn't I just pay that? But it's a domain versus the website. Anyways. And I got San Diego coming up. I don't know how I'm going to afford that. 
but so thank you to Dave McPhail and Angelo Logan. They are big supporters. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gman from heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from heck, which is an additional 30 minutes podcast entertainment every single week. And I guess I'll reveal it here this week. We're going to George Perez um, and Marv Wolfman, Marv Wolfman, George Perez, Teen Titans, new Teen Titans. We're going to start with number one. Look at how the team was formed and everything like that. So you can hear all about that issue. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash from heck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. And that is ko-fi.com slash from heck. So next week, like I said, there's a lot to talk about. The movie feature is Top Gun Maverick. I'm not super excited for that, but apparently it's going to be like an amazing movie. Um, I I don't see because I mean I can appreciate Top Gun. I, I you know Val Kilmer was in it. You know it was it was it was a good movie, but maybe it, it's going to turn my you know maybe like holy crap they were right that was amazing. So we'll, we'll see. There's also Obi Wan two episodes of Obi Wan. There's also Stranger Things coming out. There's there's going to be a lot. You know, Flash is going to be on. Uh, Superman Lois is not on until net the, the 31st, I think. Yeah, I will see how, how it's going to go. Um, I almost would like to have Obi-Wan as the main feature, but I think I got to go with Top Gun. But we'll see. There's going to be a lot happening. And again, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. And I hope you are having a good time. I hope you find time to do something fun for yourself. And I hope you remember to be good to each other. 